Okay. Shall we begin? We're holding over here. We're holding in the middle of the discourse for Lai'ava Hashem Alekecha L'Shmoyel Bilam. On page 76 in Lakuti Torah, we're holding in Perek Beis. So last week, and we also discussed this in the Monday night class, I'm not going to review because um, there's a lot to learn tonight, just a quick briefest idea, is that the Pasuk says that Hashem did not, this week in the parsha that Hashem did not want to listen to Bilam, and he converted the curses to the blessing, and the questions we had were two questions. Um, why would Hashem listen to Bilam in the first place? Why would there even be such a thought? And secondly, the meaning of Hashem um, turned over, converted the curse to a blessing. Um, that is only, um, you can only say that if there was a curse, but Bilam never cursed. Hashem exchanged and put blessings in his mouth. The curse being converted to a blessing is mashma and implies that there is a curse already and that had to be converted to a blessing. So to understand all the above, he began to explain that the idea of loyava that Hashem did not desire, means more than just that he didn't listen. Loyava means he stubbornly refuses. Loyava means to stubbornly refuse. Loyava Hashem Elokecha means he stubbornly refuses. So what, is the, what does this mean, he stubbornly refuses? Um, that Bilam means, as we learned earlier, means more than just a, a, a Bilam. Bilam is a, the force of the accuser. There is Rosh Hashanah, we know we have to protect ourselves against the prosecuting forces, against the, the accuser, the Satan, the Makatrik is the accuser. So in Rosh Hashanah, we know that the Abishta doesn't even listen to the accuser. That's what we want. I mean, it's possible. It's possible to evoke that. At times, at times, Hashem, um, at times, Hashem um, will argue with the accuser. Like we mentioned on Monday, Malach Michoel, other tzaddikim, they argue, they defend the Jewish people against the accusations. But much better than that is that Hashem doesn't even listen. And He throws out the entire case. He doesn't even willing to listen. And that's what we want to happen. And the Altareb explains that the way we achieve that, that Hashem doesn't even want to listen, is because the Pasuk itself explains, because Havaya Elokecha, because Hashem is your God, that means that a piece of God is inside of you. And which means that the tetragrammaton, the Yudke Vavke of Hashem's name is embedded in our souls. So first of all, the very idea that we are Him and He is us makes that He doesn't want to listen. Like a person doesn't like to hear bad against himself. Not that you want to argue and prove that you're not. You just don't want to hear because a person doesn't want to hear negative on himself. Since the Jews and, the Jew and Hashem are one, God doesn't even want to hear. But in addition to that, in order to show that but in order to illustrate that, rather, we should say, in a more specified manner, I'm just to re, uh, shut this, uh, in order to reveal that, or in order to explain that even better, is the idea that, um, 
the particulars of the Yudke Vavke that's in our soul. He goes on to explain that the particular, the Yudke Vavke, the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, the individual parts, all indicate that a Jew has all these powers of the Yudke Vavke. And primarily what is insignificant over here is the Kaitzai of the Yud. The Kaitz on the Yud is the thorn that's on top of the Yud, and that is pointing, pointing upward. And that is the power, as we, that's what we learned mainly last week. We didn't get into yet, the, he's going to explain in this discourse, what are the four letters of Hashem's name that's in our soul? That's first of all, what do they mean above, and how does it correspond in our soul? But before that, he, he says, what we learned last week was the significance of the kites on top of the Yud. The kites that it's on top of the Yud is the, what we spoke of Monday night and last week, is the madness of the Jew. That every single Jew, and this has nothing to do with, it has nothing to do with something that we have to create it's not our achievement, it's not our work, it's naturally there, it's part of who we are, it's part of the makeup of the soul, that a neshama has a point in where its relationship with God is absolute and non-negotiable. There's nothing to talk about. Hashem is so real to the neshama at this point, more truer than life itself. And therefore, even though we know that a person will do, give everything away to remain alive, this level, it goes even deeper than that. I will give everything away, including my life, for my attachment to God. Because over here, the Jew and Hashem are in inseparable. And as he explained it, we're talking about a love. We're talking about, we're talking about a, we're talking about a love that is, when it does, a person doesn't have any reason for love. There's no explanation. Whenever you love something with a reason, you can always debate of how much you love, how much you care, and how much you're willing to give for the thing, the thing or the person you love. That's if the love has a reason. But if the love doesn't have a reason, then it's a boundless love. I love because I love. So there's nothing to limit it. So how much? It's because it's, it's as much as I am me and deeper than me, I'm loving. And that's the... That's the uh, idea that every Jew is willing to give his life up. So if so, how come we know that so many times we can forget about God? If we have this naturally in our nisham, in our soul, why, 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 how come we can sin and even make, forget about Hashem completely? And the answer is because we're not in touch with that deep part in our soul. It gets hidden in our animal consciousness. Our external outer shell covers up on our deeper side. But when this is revealed, the Jew is dynamite. This is the Ava Mesuteres. And the reason why it's hinted to with a, with a koitz on top of the Yud, with a little, little, little marker on top of the Yud, the reason why it's hinted to with a koitz on top of the Yud is because it's what it's really saying is that you can't explain this. It, it doesn't have any shape or form. It's because the, the yearning, the, the ava, the love of the Jew is to that element of God that's beyond all names. It's not definitive. Hashem himself is higher than all names and all descriptions. The neshama senses God itself. It's not something that you can understand and grasp because you can't grasp. So that's why it's beyond reason completely. That's the love the inseparable union between the neshama and Hashem. When we expose, oh, but the Rebbe says an interesting thing. 
Where does it show itself? So it shows itself in two, in two ways. It shows itself in the lowest Jew, and it shows itself in the highest Jew. In the lowest Jew, it's going to show itself, it's going to appear when someone wants to rip the Jew away from God. Then even the lowest Jew will be willing to give everything up. Like I said the story on Monday, and I said it last week, how the Jew who was going to eat Yom Kippur, pork on Yom Kippur, obviously his Judaism doesn't mean too much to him. On Yom Kippur he's going to eat pork, yet this very, very Jew, this very, very Jew was going to give gave his life up when the Nazis wanted to have him torch the Aran HaKodesh and burn the Torah, he couldn't do it. The guy who last week ate on Yom Kippur pork, because then he was able to convince himself he's still a good Jew because of his idealism, because of his other, other things. But now it became crystal clear that he has to burn the Torah, he couldn't do that. And so there are countless stories. So what we're really, this inseparableness of the Jew from God shows itself is from the opposite. When something tries to poke it, when someone wants to tear, in other words, you can go all your life and not sense it until someone wants to tear you away. And that's when you feel it. That's when it emerges. So it emerges from the opposite. It's a very important theme in the mime, we'll see. It emerges from the darkness, from something opposing it. Dafka the klipa, dafka the other side, can provoke it and reveal it. Okay? That's one way it reveals itself. And another, that's in the lowest Jew. How does it reveal itself? By a tzaddik, by a high Jew, by a higher level. By him it also reveals itself in regards to darkness. And that is that there is a, that the person has a, 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 a terif, the person is terrified from doing something that might cause a fissure, a, 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 a little crack in his relationship. In other words, you won't see it in positive observance. In positive observance, you don't see this fanatical craziness. Where does this fanatical craziness come in? In that a person gets so fanatical about being so careful in matters of Yiddishkeit, not to sin. It's what the sages refer to as yiras chet, fear of sin. The fear of sin to the to extreme, an extreme fear of sin. It's like, okay, you know, the rabbi gave the hechsher on the restaurant, go ahead and eat. But the people that... They don't trust anybody, nothing. Nothing is good. <laughs> Why? So you want to say, come on, relax. You're a little bit over, over, over. It's true, it's okay, it's kosher, it's fine. But, but for the extremely sensitive Jew whose relationship with Hashem is so dear to him, the mere thought that there's a possibility of a possibility that the Mashgiach wasn't watching and something happened is so frightening and so scary to them they're not going, see that they're, that they're not going to you know they're not going to, to to take a chance. It's not worth the risk. So obviously you see that this great fanaticism, or he calls the the insanity, it's really an insanity. This in, insaneness comes out dafka in regards to not sinning, yirachet, afraid of the disconnect, and that too is coming from the kutsay shaliyud. So I mentioned on Monday. If we can at least a little bit reveal that in ourselves, the stubbornness that, you know, the, the mere thought of any disconnect is so hard. I, I don't want to hear it. There's nothing to talk about. It's like crazy. And the person himself can't explain why they're so insane. Okay. This evokes by Hashem as well that His response to us is also in a manner that He doesn't want to hear. 
he doesn't want to hear, God forbid, a passive chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, that anything bad against us. Just like we are so, don't want to listen to the klipa, le'ova, without an explanation. We just, just the mere thought of this being a, a possible disconnect is something so that we reject without, an, with, without any argument even. Get it? The same way the Eib Hashem also rejects the, the klipa, the other side, the, 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 the satan, the, the accusing angel on Rosh Hashanah, also without an explanation. That's the idea of koitzei shaliyot, and that's what we learned last week. Now the Alter Rebbe is going to explain the rest of God's name that is inside the soul. We're holding Siv Beis. You have, you have a copy. Siv Beis. Now to go on and to explain what is the Yud of God's name. See, the Koytzei Shel Yud, the thorn on top of the Yud, the crown of the Yud, that relates to God's infinite light that is utterly and completely a mystery, utterly unknown. It's unidentifiable, it's unknown. To, no one, to, to everyone, even to the highest creatures, even to the most sublime beings of the most spiritual worlds, the highest angels, the highest souls, no one knows him. That's why all we can do is point, like with the thorn, saying there's something higher, we don't know. But then, what's the Yud? The Yud is the beginning of revelation. It's where Hashem begins to reveal Himself to the, to the entire cosmic order. The first initial revelation to the world. And that's a Yud. A Yud, already Hashem is defining Himself in some kind of somethingness. You can already talk about what is He. And that's why a Yud is a point. A point that you can analyze. You don't know much about a point, because a point is doesn't give you too much to, 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 to read into, to investigate, because all you have is only a point. But at least there is a point already. There is something. Eventually you will flesh out this point and create an entire structure, an entire design. That's going to be the hay. But at least there is something already. So God is coming from nothingness into somethingness. You see, when Hashem is in His essential state, He's called nothingness. Nothingness because there's nothing to grab onto. There's no definition. There's no form. There's nothing. So all you have is the still nothingness. But when from the midst of the darkness comes a little flash, a little something, oh, that's the Yud. So up there, what a Yud means, oh, but in order for, a, for, for Hashem to reveal Himself, even just like a flash, like a lightning bolt, like something, being that the distance between the finite creation and the infinite unknowable God is an absolute distance. It's, it's, there, is an, there is an absolute, and there's, meaning there's nothing in common. They have absolutely nothing in common. So there cannot be a direct communication from the Ein Sof to the world. Hashem, in other words, the level of Chachma which is already a, rev- a level of revelation, it's already something, that cannot evolve from God directly. It doesn't evolve from Hashem. can't evolve into a point. There has to be what we call a powerful tzimtzum. The tzimtzum that comes over here is, is Hashem has to block all of His infinity, all of His ain't kite, all of His endlessness, and He has to reduce Himself to a tiny point where there's nothing left but a point. Not only that, the muscle that the Alter Rebbe is going to give 
is mashma that the reduction that Hashem reduces Himself is not that He reduces Himself to a point. Because when you reduce yourself to a point, at least there is a point left over from what was. It seems like, yes, Hashem reduces Himself to a point, but the way the reduction works is, first He eliminates everything, there is nothing there, and then He re-emerges as a point. There is a hefsik, there is a complete block on what was, and then there is a new point that comes out after the block. So it's not like just, you know, quant and quantity. It is, there's a qual, there's a quali, there's a, 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 there is, it's not just quantitatively, it's also qualitatively, because it's not just reducing, you know, from 100% to 1%, or to point whatever, a decimal point of what was. It's not just that. It's a complete, complete, complete contraction down to zero, a complete contraction down to zero, and then a re, and then a reintroduction of a fine point from what was to what is through this interruption, through this block. The mashal, let's see what he's going to give. He's going to give a mashal the way you see that. What's the yud of the shem benefesh To understand how do we have that in our soul. So first we have to understand what it is above. Yud is called chachma. Chachma is the first of the ten sefirot. Now chachma means koach ma, the power of what. Now there's a few reasons why we refer to the chachma, the power of what. It's the power of what, from God's perspective, from above chachma we call chachma the power of what, and from below chachma we call chachma the power of what, for two different reasons. From God, the reason why chachma is called power of what because this something that he, this little point that he, <clears throat> that he expresses into the creation, this little point, is, is to him, to he himself, to God himself, to the true infinite being, this little crumb is what? It's nothing. We can't even call it something. It's not even, it doesn't even deserve to be called something because it is so minuscule. It is so a non-entity. It's such a small, it's such a crumb of a crumb of a crumb that we call it what? So from Hashem's perspective, it's called what? Why? Because it's because of a lack of, of, of significance to it. It's utterly significantless. That's what it is. So therefore, it's koyach ma. It's the power. It's a power. But ma, nothingness. Of nothing. What is it? You can't. To us, it's called koyach ma. From, from the creation's perspective, it's called koyach ma. Because obviously, for, to us, this little crumb is everything. It's the power behind all of the cosmos. It's the most powerful point. It's the point from where all of existence emanates. Do you imagine how powerful this point is? It's an endless power that creates and sustains the universe and all the spiritual worlds, and everybody's deriving just from that one little point. So it's the most extreme point. But that point is not yet knowable to any creation. So we refer to it as koach ma, it's a power that we wonder about, and we say, what is it? It doesn't really have. Because even though we said it's a point, a point means it has some definition, but it's still lacking definition. Chachm itself is also referred to as ayin. Keser is for sure called ayin, nothingness. But chachma, we say, chachma me ayin timatse, chachma is also still ayin. And that's hinted to in koach ma, it's the power of what? Now in the mimer over here, He's more concerned with the first period of Koachma. That we're looking at Chachma as it is from the Ein Sof. 
How does God from above Chachma look at Chachma? What's Chachma? He's reducing himself to a koach, to a power that ma, what is it? Garnished. It's nothing. Shu'ubchinas ha tzimtzum. That's what he explains now. It's the tzimtzum. She'einoi ela b'chinas nekuda. All we have is a point. All that there is is a point. But a very, very important point. Because without this point, all of existence cannot happen. This is the point of this is the point of contact between the Ain Sof and, and and then creation, all levels of creation. This is the point where it all happens. The Indian and the idea is that is known in order to bring about the level of Chachma, this is the first of the revelation of the evolving levels. You have to understand something. After Chachma is going to be an entire long chain-like progression of evolving, of evolving energy, evolving levels. And it's going to go on endlessly. But Chachma is the beginning of that. It, and ultimately it's going to result in the physical, material world that we live in, in our universe. But, but Chachma at least is the beginning of that chain. Higher than Chachma cannot be considered. Now there is, of course, let's be sure, there is a lot higher, many, many levels higher than Chachm. And the Ein Sof, of course, and God Himself, and all that. But you can't call that the beginning of revelation, because higher than Chachm is utterly unrevealed, utterly unknowable. Hashem is not in any state of any kind of, any kind of relationship with Him higher than Chachm. Because we don't know Him in any way. There's no, there's no knowledge, there's no giloy. See what He's saying? Chachm is the beginning of a, a revelation. From the because God Himself is He's above, above. He's, he's above, above from Geder from any kind of evolving. Hashem is not at all within any Geder of Hishtalshalas. So therefore he has to reduce his light to a point, and from that point begins. Let's give an example for that. Imagine a teacher who's, ve- you know, Bechlal you have, a very, very, very brilliant teacher when he has to teach. The sages say that Olam, that a person should always teach a student in a short version first. Give over the point first as a point, and then later you can you can, um, how we call it, you can uh, elaborate and expand. That's later. But first a point. That's why the way Torah is the, the, given to us, example, is first we have Mishnah, and then we have Gemara. And if you try immediately to learn Gemara before you learn the Mishnah, you're confused. The Mishnah gives you context. It gives you an idea. It sets context. It's a short point. It's a concentrated point. Then later, the Gemara begins to expound and open and develop. So the idea is that you first, whenever you're giving over a class, first give over, make a synopsis, a general outline of an idea. Short. That's a point. People are still wondering, but at least they have a framework. And then within this framework, you begin to develop and, and see the whole picture. It's called Bederach Ketzar. Every teacher needs to do that. If the teacher is deserving to be a teacher, meaning to say, if their knowledge of over the student is a vast difference, that's why they're the teacher, 
They have to contract to a point. If the teacher doesn't contract, and they immediately start gushing, gushing information, what is it going to do to the student? It's going to knock their mind completely over. They're going to get burnt by it. They're going to get electrocuted by all that knowledge. Their mind is going to just... Not going to come back to class again. Because it's just too overwhelming. It's just too much for the mind. So I have to give them the kud. I have to give a point. And later we can develop. That's by a regular... Now imagine a teacher whose knowledge is, his knowledge base is infinite. Any teacher we know doesn't have infinite knowledge. It has knowledge. Some people have more knowledge. And even more knowledge. Some people have very, very, very much, a lot of knowledge. But still there's it's a limit. A teacher that has endless, endless, endless knowledge. How can that teacher... So we understand, of course, that the teacher has to cast all that knowledge to the side and find one point that they're going to give. Because if they will allow the, 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 the waters to gush forth without the levees, holding back the water, without the... Without the then it's just, it's, 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 it's going to destroy. Completely. It's going to wash everything away. It's going to wash away the, the brain of the student. So that's the same thing with Hashem. First he has to hold back his infinite light down to an akudah. As he says, Hashem is above, above from the entire geder of Ishtal Shalos. So there has to be many contractions. The light has to descend. With concealment after concealment, until it descends, until a little ray comes. Number one, understand two things. Number one, there is not even one percent or even a percent of a percent of the original light. First thing the Altadeb is emphasizing is that it's a ha'ara, it's only a ray, it's a reflection of the light. The light itself, even, even if you reduce it to the tiniest thing, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, still, a, it's still a piece of the Ein Sof. If it's a piece of the Ein Sof, it's Ein Sof. It's not Shaykh to the world. It, cannot, it can't be translated into creation. Even to the life force of creation. It can't. It's in a, it's in a, whole, different, it's in a, it's in a whole different realm. So only a ray of it, a reflection of it, not it, a reflection of it. And that itself, that reflection has to be reduced. Um, a little light, very little. And he, but remember I said earlier, just reducing it is not enough. You have to bring it to zero, and then, and then break, and, and then yeah. There has to be a no, a complete no in the middle. It can't be, just going down, down. You can't go from a thousand, you know, get down to one, and then you're there. You have to hit zero, and then go back to one. There has to be an interrupt. And he gives the example. He says, The head, you have, um, there is some of your brain power that goes into your hair. Here, Bechlal, you see that hair grows where there's a lot of energy in the body. And around the brain, over here particularly, there's a lot of hair, because the brain is there. Now when hair grows, what's hair? Here it says in Chassidus, and we know this, hair is really a tube. Every hair is a tube. It's hollow in the middle. And inside, life flows. Which life flows in the hair? Brain life. Brain juice, let's call it. Brain juice flows in the hair. 
Uh, obviously, we understand if you take one, one here, one mamish, one strand of here, and measure up the strand of here to the brain itself. See, the brain is the most powerful organ, if you might say, in the body. The most powerful unit in the body. It's got the most life of the soul is in the brain. What has the least life in the human that's, on the one hand, it's, it's still alive here. Here is alive. It grows. But it's got the least. So the brain has got the most energy. The here has got the least energy. So how does the brain transmit its energy into the here? So there is an interruption of the skull. The skull blocks and stops, as well as this hard bone, so to speak, covers the brain. But yet, some of that energy that's in the brain, we might say a ray of the brain, a ray of the light, penetrates or somehow seeps through the skull and ends up bringing hair power. From brain power, it becomes hair power. You see how it's a... Can you in any way compare the hair power to the brain power? No. And it's so minuscule and it's so tiny and it's so insignificant and unimportant. Chas v'shalom, a person has even the slightest damage to his brain, God forbid, it can cause, it can cause per, per, uh, per, paralysis. What's the word? Paralysis. It can cause paralysis. It can cause the tiniest damage to the brain. Hair? You go to sleep at night, quite a few hair fall out of your head. You don't even know. don't even care. You're taking a shower and hair falls out. It's talking not good when too much hair is falling, right? But you see, the person has no idea that the hair is even falling. You don't even know that you have. Do you have any idea that this hair was part of your body? Do you even have a count? Do you have, do you have a number on every one of your hair and to identify it and call, oh, this is Billy and this is, this is Sandy and this is this? You don't have any idea. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to you. You don't feel it falling off. You don't feel it being disconnected. It's so insignificant and unimportant. And yet, it grows from you. And if you ask the question, ultimately, where does the, where does the power that's in the here growing from? Ultimately, where is it coming from? It has to have a source. It's not, it's not beginning in the here. Where is it coming from? Ooh, it's somehow through the skull. One second. Through the skull, sucking... Being drawing energy from the brain, so, but, but but it's being said. I just want to say the, the nimshal. So this is the example that we use for for chachma. The ain self is compared to the brain. Then there is a skull. That's the tzimtzum, and this, and you get down to zero, and then from the zero comes. There is a yet. There is an, an um. There is a projection of life, a tiny little crumb. That's the chachma. All the life force of the cosmos, everything that is going to evolve, all the world with all the angels and all the, every, everything is all only from the hair. It's not touching on the ain't self energy that's in the brain itself. It's only from the hair. And it emerges through the skull with the blockage of the skull in this minuscule way. What was your question? It's not necessarily intellect, it's brain energy. Yeah. Yeah. So a person can be paralyzed and still hold the brain uh, energy from growing. 
Yeah, I'm not saying that if you're paralyzed, that, that, that. I'm just showing that all I used the, the, the paralyzed example was that a damage in the brain itself, even the tiniest little thing, is who knows what. And here, it's so insignificant. Or there's so much projection that all the hair just fell out. That's why he's bald. It's a good argument. Um, in any case, like the they are the ray that goes through the hair of the head. They are tzomeach. They grow and they derive their flow from the brain of the head. They're coming through the skull. That is. That is that is sitting and hovering over the mochen. It conceals and it blocks the brain itself. or the mind. It shouldn't be revealed. It, it blocks it completely. The brain has to be held back. The mind, the intelligence, or whatever it is that needs to be held back, because if the intelligence itself would come out, it would be too much for the hair. It has to hold back everything, and only a little bit of some. Growth power comes out. It should be able to grow forth. Hasairas to hear. from the bone of the Gilgolas. That is covering and 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 and, and, uh, and uh, encircling or in, encompassing the mochen the, the mind. and that ray whom it is so so contracted. Till it doesn't have any any erech or any kind of um, re- relevance or any kind of comparison to the mochen itself. You can't say almost even like you know what that you know in your brain you have a thousand a thousand amp and in your ear you have one amp. It's a different quality of life. It's not even a percentage of it. It's changed completely. Just like there's no erech of here with the brain, the proof is, even if you cut off all the hair, it doesn't hurt. Usually if you disconnect something from its source, it hurts in the source. But over here it doesn't. The reason why it doesn't hurt in the source is because what is coming from it has been reduced so much, it's as if it doesn't exist. Now the Rebbe says, isn't that a good marshal? Right? It's an amazing mashal. The Rebbe says it's a very poor mashal. I'm trying to give the best mashal I can, but when we apply this to God, when we apply this as a metaphor for God, it really doesn't do justice because the distance between the Ein Sof and the Chachma that comes is more than the distance than there is between our brain and a hair. It's just that we don't have another example. I don't have another example, the Alter Rebbe is saying, from something that is incomparable to its source, yet it, come, yet it has a source. It has a source, but it's nothing. So the best example I can find is here. But it really, as it applies to God, the distance that there is, the incomparability is much bigger, much larger, because what is emanating into the world is much, much, much less than the relationship of here to the brain, of the Ein Sof. The Yesem is, how much less? How much, how much is this, a poor, how poor is this example? The Alter Rebbe says it's infinitely poor. Meaning that the distance between the Ein Sof and the Chachma is infinitely less, infinitely less, not a little less, not a lot less, infinitely less than the relationship of a here that we have to our brains.
How chachma, which is the point of energy from where all of existence derives its existence, everything, from above chachma, the distance between chachma and keser is, is endless. From the oirein soif, from the infinite light, because God is exalted and elevated higher and higher and endlessly higher. Yoiser, much more than he's going to give. Of the, the example is the example of here, but and it's not like it would not be compared to other things that evolve, where the relationship between the the source from where it evolves and the evolver, the thing that evolves, is much closer. Like in the, for example, in the, in the human experience, we have intellect. And from the intellect, from our mind, comes emotions. So emotions and intellect are also one comes from the other. But it comes where the, 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 the intellect is a source for the emotions. But over there, they're pretty close. Because the intellect itself descends into the emotions. What does that mean? When you're excited about something, why are you excited about it? Because you understand and appreciate the value. That means that in the emotion, there is some of the intellect, some of the concept comes down to serve as the battery and, and the fire of the emotion, the power in the emotion. The drive of the emotion is the intellect itself. So here too, you have something evolving from something else. But over here, the evolving is like a chain where the thing above itself enters into the space of the thing below. The intellect enters into the emotional space and it empowers it. Not so with here. With here, the, the, the brain and the here are distant. They're not together. Not only are they are not together, there's a great wall that's dividing them. There's no relationship between the source and the thing that's coming from it. So he's, that's, that's what he's, he's trying to point out the contrast. Yoiser, much more mehishavos hamidos. The, the, the coming out, the being of midos, of the emotions, avaviyira, love and fear, menachabad, from the chachma binadas, from the intellectual faculties. Because over there it's different. Why is it different? The essence of the chachma binadas, hemelu bashais bahamidos, are enclosed in the midos. The chachma binadas itself invigorate the midos by going into them. But the way Chachma emerges from the Oren Tsoif, the essence of the Oren Tsoif is not in, 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 enclosed in it. Only a tiny little ray. Only a ray, and even that contracted and contracted, and even that comes from absolute first block and then revelation. See, three things. It's a ray to begin with. It's reduced to the most biggest reduction. It's reduced to zero. And then from the concealment, it reemerges a little whatever. Only after the concealment and the, and the, and the obscuring of the essence of the Ein Sof, only then can Chachma appear. As it says, how do you know that all revelation from God to the world has to first go through, every revelation has to first go through a powerful contraction and to the point of, of blocking everything? Well, it says in the Pasuk, Yashes Choshech Sisro, Hashem shrouds himself in darkness. So what do you see? He first hides in darkness. What does darkness mean? Darkness is this block 
it would be similar to the skull. The skull is that darkness. It's the block that's covering on the brain. Over here too, on the Ein Sof, there is a darkness that covers and blocks the Ein Sof. And only after that comes a little bit of light, a crumb of light. That Hashem hides himself in darkness. He hides in darkness and in concealment. In order for what? But the point of the hiding is not to hide. The point of the hiding is in order that he should be able to reveal himself. Because if he's not hiding, then as we said before, if the teacher who has endless knowledge is going to try to teach the student, he's going to swamp the student. He's going to flood the student. He's going to destroy his mind. His or her mind. So he has to hold it back. So the point of holding back is not to hold back. It's to give, but I can only give you what you can handle. So that's what it is. So God has to hide in concealment and con- so that it, revelation is only of a ray. Which is the beginning of giloy of Tzedek adds over here that this choshech that we're talking about it's implying like this. First there is Orein Soif. Then there is a Choshech that's dark, that's blocking. And then there's Oir again. What's the Choshech? So the Tzemach Tzedek says, the Choshech, that's the Kutzai Shal Yud, the Kutzai Shal Yud. Remember we said, there is the Yud. What's the Yud? The Yud is the Chachmal. The Yud, the Yud is the point. The point already of revelation. What's the Kutzai Shal Yud? The Keser. That's, but that's not God Himself. That's not the Orein Soif. That's the, that's the, what Hashem covers Himself up in, He covers Himself up in the Keser, in the Choshech of Keser. Keser is called darkness. And in, from that Keser, He emerges from the Kaitzah Yud, comes the Yud itself. That's when when you make a Yud, you begin with the Kaitz. Because from the Keser emerges, Hashem makes the preparatory stage into Keser. And from there, Vachachma Me'ayin. Keser is the Ayin. Chachma is also kind of ayin. And we said, Chachma is koach, ma. But it's not as ma, it's not as nothing as keser. Keser is even more dark. Ayin, ayin, complete nothingness. And then there's higher than that, and that's the orin soif. Vezahu, and this also is implied in the puzzle, Kashem Moloch Geus Lavish. Aftikon Tevel. We sing it tomorrow in the Shir Shal Yoim, when we, when the, in the special song of the day of, of Friday. We say Hashem Malach Geus Lavesh. Hashem Malach became king. Geus Lavesh. He dressed himself in Geus, which is in, uh, in, in, in what? You can't say haughtiness on the Abish. It's not a haughtiness. It's a. It's, but ego is also not a good. In, in majesty, in geos, in majesty, he dresses himself in what? Regal. Regal, yeah, regal that's what it is. He, he dresses himself in regality. And then, aftikon tevel, he's also established tevel. He's also established the world. So what is he trying to say? That in order for Hashem, aftikon tevel, for Hashem to establish tevel, the world, Hashem malach geos lavish, he has to dress himself in a lavush, in a garment. What's the garment? We said earlier. The garment is keser. Keser is that, keser is that garment of darkness. 
that Hashem shrouds himself in a garment of darkness, of Yashas, Hashem Malach, that's why Geos, Geos is Keser, Geos means regality, exaltedness. He dresses himself in that exaltedness so that what? Aftikon table that he can establish the world. And what's the beginning of the establishing of the world? The point of Chachma. Kedei Leo's Tikon Tevel in order that there should be Tikon Tevel. Hutzrech, he needed. Excuse me. Leslabish Oirin Soif, Baruchu. For the Oirin Soif to dress himself, Bepchinis Levush Vikisoi, in a garment and in a concealment. Shaloi Yoyer Vizgale, that he should not shine and reveal himself, Kemoishahu, as he is. Ela Bepchinas Simtsum. Only in a manner of Simtsum. And this is what it also says in the Pasuk, Bereshis bara elokim. So this is Gavaldik. What does it mean, Bereshis bara elokim? So generally you say, in the beginning God created. Bereshis bara elokim. Here he did, Al-Tareb is a new pirush. Bereshis is chachma. Chachma is called reishis, because it's the first, the first point. So chachma is reishis. And we also say, reishis chachma yiras Hashem. Chachma is called reishis, the beginning. So what he's saying is like this, Bereshis, in order to bring forth Bereshis, the point of Chachma, because when God creates the world also, first, when Hashem created the world, first is Reshis, Bereshis, first he emerges a point of Chachma and then he creates from the Chachma. But now he's learning like this, in order to bring about the point of Bereshis, the Targum actually translates on the word Bereshis, Bechuchmasa, with Chachma, Bar Elohim God created. So Reshis is Chachma. So, Bereshis, in order to bring about Reshis, Bara Elohim. Elohim needed to create Reshis. Bara Elohim, meaning the power of Tzimtzum, it was only through, meaning God did not create the world through expressing Himself. God created the world through concealing Himself. So that's the idea. Bereshis, in order to bring out the first point from where all the the cosmos emerge, Bara Elohim, Hashem, we all know the power of Elohim is the power of darkness, the power of concealment, din, judgment, contraction. So in order to have Bereshis, Bara Elohim, V'zaosham Bereshis, Bara Elohim, Bereshis, Begiloi, Pchenas, Reshis, Agiloi, to reveal the Reshis, the beginning of revelation, Hu Pchenas Chachma, which is Chachma, because Chachma is called Reshis, Bara Elohim, Bemidas HaTzimtzum. It required the Midah of Tzimtzum, of contraction, to bring about Bereshis. This is also what the sages say, that when Hashem created the world, initially He wanted to create it with judgment. And then He created it, and He saw the world can't withstand judgment, so He created it with compassion. That's what the sages say. Simply it means it's talking about conducting the affairs of the world. But the deeper meaning is, the first initial move to create requires first din, judgment. It requires contraction. He has to contract and, and, and draw, draw his light inward not to reveal itself. Draw the infinite power, the infinite brilliant light has to be withdrawn in. That's the Elohim. And, and then, but you can't, but, but only through contractions world would not be created. You see, if he's only contracting and hiding, then he's not, then he's not producing anything. He's only pulling back. So that's the second, that's... The second movement in creation is yeah. The first movement in creation is no. First he pulls in, a negating. First there is a negating of self. And then there is a projection. So the, the rachamim that Hashem added later, that's already his inserting. He, he reinserts, he reintroduces himself 
to create, but first pulls back. It has to be a very tiny in order that there should be the beginning of revelation in the evolving of the worlds. Now he's going to explain why is Chachma called already the beginning of divine revelation. We say, we're saying that there had to be a powerful, powerful tzimtzum until you get the Chachma, in order to bring forth Chachma. Because Chachma is already the beginning of revelation. So now he wants to point out very something interesting. The truth is Chachma is also a mystery. As we said before, Chachma is called Koach Ma, the power of what? Because the creations below don't know Chachma either. We said before, I began the class today earlier, I said there's two reasons why Chachma is called Koach Ma, the power of what? From God's perspective, it's called Koach Ma, the power of what? Because it's nothing. What's Chachma? It's a crumb, <laughs> it's, a ti- it's a little hair, it's nothing. From our perspective, why is it called Koach Ma? Because we don't know Chachma. Chachma is still the concentrated energy of the Ein Sof. To be a point, it's utterly unknowable. It's only after the Chachma begins to expand in the Bina, because from the Chachma there will come Bina. And then in the Bina there will already begin already comprehension and understanding. Because Bina is already... So the Rebbe wants to explain that. That Chachma really is still also beyond understanding. But why are we calling it the beginning of the Gilui? Because at least, because the entire Bina is really based on the Chachma. Without the Chachma you have no Bina. It's like when a person learns something, whenever you learn and you get a new idea, first it comes to your head as a flash as a point, as an epiphany, and then you begin to play around with it. You play with it in your mind. You stretch it this way, you stretch it that way, you pull it forth, you try to apply it to the various different things. You create an entire infrastructure, an entire philosophy, an entire idea. But first it's a point. But if you don't have a point, you, don't have an, you, don't have, you can't have a structure. It has to be built on a point. So even though the point is still very vague and very, 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 very up here, but at least it's, the, it's something that you can derive from, something that you can already relate to. And that's what he's saying, Chachmas Reishas Agilu. He says, Ki Reishas Gilu, it's the beginning of revelation, Ha'asaga Vahavana, of grasping and understanding, Bo'erein Soif Baruch and the Orein Sof in the infinite light, Ha'mezgale Bebchenaz Bina, the real revelation is only in Bina. As long as the oil of God is still in Chachma, it's still utterly unknowable to the creations. But at least we can sense that something is coming. Something is brewing. In Chachma, you can already sense there's something there. The Giloi is really happening in Bina. This, for instance, in Gan Eden, where they have great godly revelation, it says that the source of Gan Eden, what's the power behind Gan Eden? Bina. Bina, is the, is, it says in the Pasuk, V'nohar yotze me'eden, a river emerges, which is Bina. Bina is called a river. Lahashke Sasagana, it goes to Gan Eden. That means all knowledge and knowing and experience of all Neshamis, of the entire celestial realm in God, it's all from the Bina, it's all from the river. But where does the river come from? Every river has to have a spring. And the spring is only a small little spring, but ultimately the springs feed into a river. So even though we only see the river and we don't know the spring, we know that there is a spring from where the river is coming from. And we, and we can go upriver and find the spring. So the idea is, Chachm is already lending itself to exploration. 
Eventually, when the Chachma emerges into Bina, which is the next letter of God's name, the Yud is the Chachma, the point. And what's the Hay? The Hay is the expansion of that point. It expands in two directions as it opens up to be experienceable. Shehu Hay Allah, which is the upper Hay, it's the expansion. That's why when you write a when you write a a um, a, uh, a hey, a sofer in a Torah, he's supposed to first begin with the yud. He writes it. He begins as a yud, and then he expands the yud, and then it becomes a hey. Because the whole idea of a, of the hey is the yud expanded. And when that happens, then God, the divine energy, when it comes into the hey, when it emerges as a hey, it can already become a sustaining force for creation. In two ways, he can fill, fill all every creation and every world and every being with its particularized energy. And then Soviv Kalaman, he can encompass all worlds with an energy. But even the Soviv Kalaman, let's understand something. Even the Soviv Kalaman, even the light of Hashem that's encompassing the creation, and it's higher than creation, it too has to have already a relationship with the creation. It's called Soviv Kalam. Higher than the hey. In the Yud, and definitely in the Koytzei Shal Yud, and definitely beyond the Koytzei Shal Yud, over there we can talk not, we definitely can't speak about Mamalek Alman, because God, there's no worlds even to fill yet. It's still ain't so. We definitely, we can't even call about Soviv Kalam, we can't even refer to God that He's encompassing the world, because encompassing also shows that a relationship. And higher than that, there's nothing. After the Yud, after the powerful Tzimtzum, then when that yud will open up and expand, then the godly energy will relate to the world in two manners. The Zohar says, you will fill every creature with the particularized energy and will encompass everything. But, but there is a relationship. That's what he's saying. So therefore, chachma is not yet real revelation, but it's the source for revelation. The hasaga in Chachma, the grasping, the understanding in Chachma, is still concealed. She'ena me'ira, it's not shining yet. Umizgale, and revealed. Ela kebara kamavrik, it's like a flash. It's like you have a flash of lightning. It's just, you don't really, you, you, you know there's, but you know one thing, you know there's light. When you see a flash, you can't grasp it. No one can ever grasp a flash. Even a lightning flash. You can't, Grab it. It's just there for a second. But you know, you saw, you've seen light. As he says, like a flash that illuminates in a person's brain. I'll do a by way of analogy. And if the, had there not been the tzimtzum, had there not been the contraction of the orin sof, of the infinite one blessed to see, v'islap shusay b'pchenas and his enclosement in Chachma, if Hashem would not reduce himself to that point, and he would just come directly from Ein Sof into the worlds, and there wouldn't be this, this, this contraction down to that, into that decimal point, then God's entered light would completely overwhelm the creation, and it would cancel all of existence instantly. And everything would be completely dissolved and disintegrated in the Ein Sof. So Chachma is really the key that keeps existence, keeps the, all of the worlds in, in existence. Because without that powerful reduction, 
into Chachma, then, then, then if Hashem is communicating His energy, it would be direct. And the two can't go together. He and creation can't go together because His truth cancels everything. Chachma creates that, that, I don't know what you would call it, there is a, that uh, interface. Is that the right word? Chachma is the interface between the Ein Sof and the creations to allow it to exist. As he says, There would not be able to be an espashtus, an expansion of God into the, to be an indwelling light and an encompassing light. Why? Because the worlds would become dissolved completely. And everything would revert back into nothingness. Because it would all be swallowed back in the brilliant, infinite light of God. And he proves that. He says, Kigam because even now, even with Chachma in place, the worlds hardly exist. They're, they're in such danger of being swallowed up, even by the little bit of light that does come through the keyhole. Imagine Chachma. Imagine infinite light, and there's a big wall, so to speak, and there's a, a little bit of light coming through a keyhole. Even now, when the light comes through the keyhole, the worlds are in danger every moment of becoming not canceled by the light. If there wouldn't be a, if there wouldn't be a reduction, forget about it. it. Says now, even after the worlds were created, had a kameif in front of God, kula kala, the worlds are still nothing. Now it's God, meaning the way I saw it. What does he mean? First of all, to Hashem, the, the keyhole is not a keyhole. He sees his infinite light passing anyways. To him, the tzimtzum is not a tzimtzum. So for him, the worlds are canceled anyways. But I'm saying, from Hashem's perspective, even if he does respect the tzimtzum, let's say God does respect the tzimtzum and says, oh, you know what, my infinite light isn't here and I'm looking just at the world. But Hashem sees more than the world. Hashem sees the energy of the yud. Hashem sees the energy. It's, it's a crumb of light, but yet it's a... We said earlier, it's the potent energy that creates everything. Beratious, it's the ratios, it's the beginning of everything. So from the perspective of that ratios, of the Chachma itself, looking at the creations, Hashem sees also the creations are nothing, they're nullified to Him. Even to this, even to this tiny little crumb of light, all of creation is nullified. That's why we say, Kula Kameh, before God, Kilachashiv, everything is like naught. Why is it like not? Because the creations are, they're lost. The energy that's creating them is so much stronger than that which is created that the, that the, the Altareb explains in Tanya that the only reason why we feel our existence and we even, the only reason we can even see creation, we can see the material, physical world is because we don't see the energy creating it. If we were to see the energy creating it, we wouldn't see the creation. It would be canceled. So even to the Chachma energy, even to this little point, Kula Kamekalachashiv, all, all before him is like not. Ella, oh. So definitely without the tzimtzum, it would be it would be not. It would be nothing. But he says this this the, the benefit of having the tzimtzum is twofold. Number one, this that we say that the worlds are, are not, we're not saying they're not, we're saying they're like not. They're like nothing. Like nothing. And that, that, that like is a very big difference. 
without the tzimtzum being there, they would be law, they would be nothing. Now, with the tzimtzum, it's like not like nothing in Hashem's eyes. To us, we don't feel like nothing. If we would feel like nothing, then we would be big tzaddikim all the time. We'd be nullified to God, do only His will. And we feel ourselves very important. We have big egos, sometimes even super egos, and we, right, and we think that the whole world belongs to us because we, we don't feel the energy. Right? So to us, we're not kilah. We don't, we don't feel kilah. To the Abishter itself, there is a difference of with symptom and without symptom. With symptom, to Hashem, the worlds are always nothing. But with symptom, with the infinite light being hidden and only the energy of creation, only the energy of the Yud, then the worlds are like not to Him, to us. We feel ourselves very much, but they're like not. Without the symptom, the worlds would be totally not, and not only to Him, but to us as well, to the recipients as well. Two things would change. First of all, the worlds would be namish nothing. They, they wouldn't exist. Secondly, not only wouldn't we exist from his perspective, but we ourselves would experience, would, 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 be, would lose ourselves in him. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to re, be a being. Now that there is a chachma and there's a reduction down to a point, the, the worlds are only like not, but only to him and not to us, so that we can at least exist. And have bechira chavshes free choice to choose and the like. As he says, "V'kigam achshav even now achashen ivru olam oisad arekula kamekila elashu kila bikaf hadimyon like not v'loy la mamish and it's not mamish lo v'af gam zois and even this kila einai ela kame is only in front of God v'loy legabe yanevra but not to the creations avul im hoya oirin soif baruchu mizgale but if the oirin soif would reveal himself not through not through the Yud, not through that keyhole. Kemoishu, who as he is, mamish. Everything would be lost again back in his light. mamish. Everything would be not, literally. And that's why the sages tell us that one time God decided to play a little bit this game with the world and allow a little bit more light than into the world. And what happened? It's he burnt up a big chunk of creation. No, not to shatter the vessels. It says that one time the malachim were misbehaving and God stuck out his pinky. And he like burnt them all. And that's just an indication. When exactly, what, where and when, I don't know. It says, No, it says when, he says when. He says when the, when the angels, when the angels uh, um, argued that God should not create man. So when they argued, they drive them in men, it says Hashem stuck out his pinky. So what does that mean, he stuck out his pinky? He revealed a little bit more than what, than, 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 what is man? small finger, Now that's not removing the, 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 the barrier. That's only, only revealing a little bit more. Tense, the ten fingers of God are the ten sephirot. The pinky is the last one, Malchus which is the weakest, which has the least energy. And even that, Hashem has to block. And he stuck out his pinky, meaning he, from Malchus, a little more, a little bit revelation 
more from Malchus, more than the world can handle, and he destroyed them completely, those Malachim. That's Malchus. Imagine if Hashem removes the filter of Chachma, which is like way above Malchus. And it's not the filter of Chachma, it's the filter above Chachma, from Keser to Chachma. If that would be revealed, if that would be removed, forget about it. There would be nothing left. The Pidisha Hoyshit, what does he mean, Hoyshit? Shahoyshit Vehimshech, he drew forth Giloyat Smusa Yizbarach, a revelation of who he is, Yoyser Mikadei Midavishir, a little bit more than their measure, Hamitsumtsum, that is contracted by Sagas Hamalachim, in which the Malachim can handle, the angels can handle. Ma'atm is air. Over there it wasn't a removal of the filter. It was only a tiny bit. a small finger. I am a paradis b'tchilase. Look in pardes, pardes from the Ramosha Kardava. B'shem Sefi Yitzir in the name of the Sefi Yitzir, the book of Esser Sefirois Belima, the ten Sefirois Mispar Etzer Etzboys, which is the number of the ten fingers. So he's associating the small finger with the. Then he burnt them. They became burnt to crisp. And they became nullified completely. And he's the Gavaldiga thing. I said they got burnt to a crisp. That's not what happened. They became so nullified as if they never existed. In other words, not only were they nullified now, they were so deeply nullified that there was no memory that they ever existed. That's how non-existent they became because God, retroactively, it was like they couldn't even have been here. It was impossible for them to even have existed in the past. Yeah, it was some kind of a thing. You know, if you don't want man to be created, there's no reason to exist because human being just, I guess that's the, that's the logic. Without the human being, there's no reason to create. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to undo you from creation. Delete. So then comes out what is the oldest teaches you? That the tzimtzum, the contraction, that's what causes the worlds to be in existence. The worlds are in existence only thanks to the tzimtzum, to the contraction. Now, okay, but here is the most beautiful part of the Maimah. Told this is a nice Kabbalistic concept. Here is a beautiful Hasidic idea. Well, this job of getting God to contract his entire infinite light down to a point, is something that is we're, we are responsible to continuously affect that, to make that happen. Because this has to, it's not a one-time thing that Hashem put into place then. Hashem has to constantly contract Himself and hold back His infinite light. It, this, is a, this, is a, this is a perpetual thing which requires stimulation. And it's in our hands to create that. He in a, he says, the first time Hashem did it, before He began creation on His own. What we call Sarusa Deliela, was in His arousal from above, He Himself decided to do that. Ki chesed, because God desired kindness. He wanted a creation. But after that, it's dependent on us. But He's going to show you an amazing thing, what kind of avoda it takes that God should do that. It, then, in order for Hashem to continuously contract His infinite light, and not overwhelm the creation. It's powerful. It takes, it's a lot of, so to speak, it's a, it takes a lot of effort to hold back the infinite. We constantly, ha- we're responsible for that. We have to make that happen. There's something in our service that resembles that. And it causes God to do that. 
the beginning of the creation of the world, because God wants chesed. This that God continuously renews the creation, from something, from nothing. What's the nothing? The nothingness is the keser, the crown. From the infinity of the crown down into the chachma, into the point. From the or you can learn, I think that's where from the Chachma. Meaning Chachma is a point. And then so because Apipashtas we're talking about for Hashem to reduce himself to the point. The Lashan Mibchinas Chachma is almost implying that the work that getting the point, because Chachma is still called Ayin, as we said earlier, from the Ayin of Chachma into the Bina, but that's the hey, the next thing. So I'm not exactly sure what he means. This word that mipchenas chachma. I understood this to for the chachma. Mechadash pchenas yeshmai mipchenas chachma v'tzimtzum b'chol yoyim every day. Now, what do you mean? Why does it have to? This was done once. Why does it have to be done all the time? God already set up the system. Ki b'chol yoyim mischadish ha'arachares because every day the worlds are new. It's not the same world. It's a new energy. Every day there is a flow. Every day there is a new emanation of Yudke Vavke, of the tetragrammaton, that's the, that's the power behind creation. The Gambachol Shah, and even every hour, Mishadish Tsiruf Shemavaya. There's a renewal of a new Tsiruf. Every hour is a different energy, a different Yudke Vavke. So all of this, Bisarusa, the Latata Talia Milsa, this is all dependent on an, an arousal from below. We need to do a resembling thing. We need to also have a contraction and a concealment in our and our work from below. For who and how do we do that? In other words, just like above, what, what are we asking from God to do? To remove all of His infinite light down to a point. And so that he can transmit to us. So God says, I ask of you the same thing. You want me to contract my expansion. I want to expand. I want to express myself. You want me to hold back and say, no me, not me. That's what he's really doing, not me. Moving completely back, rolling away his light. Not express himself. So guess what? You do the same thing. You don't either express yourself. You say, what do you mean? You shouldn't express yourself? Yes, don't express yourself. In what sense? Constantly you have urges to express yourself in an unholy manner. You have thoughts. Your thought doesn't stop. And it wants to, your thought, there is a pleasure in thought. Where the thought wants to go into all kinds of thoughts that could be not kosher. And not, or even if it's not not kosher, but there's nothing beneficial to the purpose of, of your life in these thoughts. Whatever you're thinking, any kind of daydreaming, any kind of whatever. Guess what? You're asking me to say no to me? How about you do that to yourself as well? Say no to your expansion of your thought. How about when your eyes want to look at something and that's not exactly what you should be looking at, it's not a kosher thing, or not for the service of Hashem, and you have a pleasure or a desire to look, how about closing your eyes and looking somewhere else where you want to look and say no to yourself? How about when you're something's an excite, exciting conversation, which is Lush and Hara, and you're very, very curious, you're so curious, how about closing your ears and going away and saying no, denying the eye again? 
How about talking? So many times we want to blurt out and say things, and it doesn't serve anything else but our own ego that's going to get pleasure from saying something hurtful or, or gossip or whatever. Or when the time you can study Torah just to sit and talk about whatever. How about denying yourself again? You're asking me, God says, to deny myself all the time. I have to say no to me so that you can exist. How about you say no to yourself so that I can exist? Help me, help me in that process. You'll do the same. That's the avoid of the Yud and the Nefesh. The Yud and the Nefesh is to do bittle in every aspect of our being. Let's see over here. This is the idea is nullify your will to contract and to conquer all of a person's ratzons all of a person's desires whatever is not for the sake of God of course a holy desire to daven, to learn to do a good thing, to do chesed and kindness go ahead with that, that's fine but all the other stuff which we know we have so much of it so much of our will expresses itself in ungodly things. And it comes out everywhere. It comes out in our brain, it comes out in our, in our mouth, in our nose, in our ears, in our, all of our faculties of our soul are constantly seeking gratification and pleasure and enjoyment. How about reining it in, saying no, 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 and all of that. Whether in thought, in the multitude thoughts, as it says, Rabbis machshavos belev ish, there are many thoughts in the heart of man. The, the, the God's plan is what stands. What, that, what does that mean in our service? It means that all the abundance of, of thoughts that come that have nothing to do with Hashem, push that away. Only the atzas Hashem, only the, the thought that is to serve God, that should be in your head all the time. And bedibur, the same is also in speech. Don't allow the speech and the, and the breath of one's mouth that, that is begging to express. It's, I have a funny joke to say. I have a whatever. So many times I want to, my mouth is just looking for expansion to open up. They say, the will, don't do kirtzayna like I want. Batel ritzayna, nullify your will. The himba an action as well. Oitzim enov, closing one's eyes. I'm seeing something that's, that's negative. As the sages say, don't go astray after your eyes. Whether it's forbidden. And the Rebbe says, all the above things is not only not sinning. That of course. But even if it's not sinning, even if it's just permissible things, kosher things, but it's nothing to do with your serving Hashem. It's just plain frivolous enjoyment. Even if it's permissible. Kamaimer is all the sages say. That's why we ate the sushi before. That's why the sages say, Kamaimer is Kamaimer is all the sages say, Kadesh's atzmacha, make yourself holy, b'muterlach, with that which is permitted. That means even if it's permitted, make yourself holy with it. Vuhu b'chol shir kaima shal adam. Here's Gavaldig. The Rebbe says that this, this is, it's Gavaldig, it's also Gavaldigly painful. <laughs> This is in the person's entire sheer kaima. But the truth is, it's not painful. If you realize what you're doing, and that you're, you're the, you're the Abishra's pleasure in the world by doing this, keeping all of, of existence, keeping the angels, because they can't do it. They can't bring about creation from non-creation. They can't do it. They can maybe 
show a little appreciation to God for creating them. They don't have that. Dafka, a Jew in this world, with a body, with a big ego, and a big desire to do all the time everything, can rein it in. And he says, and thereby generate, you know what he's talking about? Unbelievable. You're generating creation from non-existence. Because you're causing God too to hold back on his, on his taiva, to express himself. He's also saying, denying himself, but you deny. It's in our hands. The who, as he says, b'chol shir in the entire human being, from your head to your toe. In other words, why should you return yourself? You make yourself into a yud. You're asking Hashem to come down to a point. You too come down to a point. Instead of expansion, pull yourself back into the point. It's part of your muscles. Let's see. Ezehu gibar, what's called a gibar? Hakoveh, Yitzray. One who conquers. Pull yourself... It's amazing, just even the imagery. When you make yourself into a yud, by saying no, what are you doing? Instead of expanding, you're pulling into a point, you're causing God to do the same thing. He also becomes a yud. As you become the yud, he becomes the yud. And there's a yud above and a yud below. The two yuds of, you see Hashem's name, yud yud? The two yuds together. Hashem's yud and your yud. Your bittel, and you're asking Hashem for bittel as well. Keep... Um, to throw away one's desire. This bittel is called chachma, because that's what chachma means. Koach ma. The power to be what? To be nothing. To be bottle. To be nullified. Now you just have to ask a simple question. How is this different than the koitze shal yud? Remember we, we, the last week's shir and the whole was that there, a Jew has a power of Mesiris Nefesh, deep in his soul, he has an insane love to God, and that he's willing to give everything up for God. And that's not the Yud, that's the kites, that's the thorn on top of the Yud. How does it differ than the Yud? And I think, and the difference is, and the difference is a very, a very, a very um, important distinction. The kites and Shal Yud is related to your deepest neshama to you in your deepest heart of hearts, as you are kind of before you're, in a, before you're in your body. It's like in a moment of realization where you don't want anything but Hashem. It's like the purest place in you. That's the Koytzeshah. The Yud is a different point. The Yud is already you in your more regular self. The Yud is already the beginning of... Because Yud is already Yesh, something. So the Yud is already in a place where I have a Matthias, I have a self... I have, it's like, you know that it's the difference, I would say, the difference between Yom Kippur and the day after Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur yourself, you're in that different space, you're in a different zone, you're in your Kaitzer Yud place. Okay, good. The day after Yom Kippur is where the, where the regular you reasserts itself, and you suddenly realize, I have an eye. I have an eye. And the eye wants this, and the eye wants that. Yom Kippur, you didn't feel the eye. You were just nullified to God. You were swimming in God's light. Beautiful. You were in touch with your Yechid Nefesh, with your Koytzei Shal Yud. But not the day after Yom Kippur. Here you have already, you have a self. Ah, make that self learn Torah. Make that self do a mitzvah. And every time that self is looking to expand itself into things that are unrelated to Torah and mitzvahs and to holiness and to godliness. I mean, of course... A, a person has to live a life in this world, so you have to shop and you have to do business and you have to do... Yeah, but well, that too is part of your service to Hashem. But I'm talking about outside of that, things that we do just for leisure, enjoyment and pleasure, whatever it is, 
that's where there is already an eye. Get your eye back to its... Stay focused. That's what it's really all about. Stay focused to the point, the point of everything. Don't let it expand outside of the point. Before, the, in the Kaitzah you don't have yet anything that can go astray. It's just pure neshama. Here, you're already dealing with neshama in guf. You're dealing already with a sheer, as the Alter Rebbe calls it, a sheer kaima. You have a full structure of self. Now, limit that self, contract that self to a point. Because in chachma is where birur happens. Birur meaning the, the refinement, the selection between good and bad. As the Tzemach Tzedek explains, what he means over here is like this. In Kesser, in the Kaitse Shal Yud, there's no Birurim. On Yom Kippur, you're not doing Birurim. On Yom Kippur, you're in a different world. Birurim, selecting good and bad, is only when you're living in the zone of good and bad. So in the Kaitse Shal Yud, in Kesser, there's no world, there's no worlds yet. There isn't even a possibility of worlds yet. So there's no Ra, there's no... There's no Ra at all. Ra doesn't exist. Fine. You can't do a beer. A beer you can only do. Once there is Nekudas HaChachma, Chachma, it says, is already is related to the Eitzadas Tovera. There's already good and bad. Now, you have to rein in, separate the good from the bad. I have an eye. I have to make sure that the high is dedicated to serve Hashem and the eye doesn't go astray into everything that's not kosher. So that's why Chachma is the point where the bitterer happens. You can sense already the negative desire. It's coming at you. Because you have already an eye to be seduced. Before Chachma, you don't even have an eye. But in Chachma, you have an eye. It can go into the wrong things. And you want to nullify the Ramatmeatoy for the good. With the power of bitl that you have in your soul. And that's why the Rebbe says a deep idea over here. That's why the sages say. Sanctify yourself in that which is permissible. And they use the word kadesh, make yourself holy in the permissible. And that's referring to this idea that a person should not be a glutton. A person should only use the material physical world to serve in God. But why do they use the word kadesh? Because this avoda of dealing with the permissible, what's in the permissible? The permissible means I have an existence. Outside of God, I have a Matthias. And I can either bend myself to serve him or say, I am and do whatever. Oh, so over there is where I need to distinguish and say, This is good, this is serving Hashem, this is good, this is not. That's why they're using the word Kadesh, because in Chachma, which is Chachma is the power where Yesh begins. Chachma is the beginning, it's already the Matthias. But it's a Kadesh Atzmacha, keep yourself in the Kuda, keep yourself a point, don't let it spashtas. That's why they're using the word Kadesh. Kadesh means introduce Chachma, Chachma is Kadusha. Introduce Chachma into the Mutterlach. Ki Kadesh Uba Chachma, Kadesh Liko Bachar, the Al Yedei, Bachar is the firstborn, which is Chachma, the Al Yedei Pchinaz Bittel Zeh. But here's the punchline. Through this Bittel, Shebesarusa de Latata that you're doing below, you're nullifying and departing yourself. And you will to be nullified to Hashem 
What are you causing? You're causing a mirror reflection above. The same thing should happen. The infinite light also, God also does that, is mimicking and reflecting what you're doing and pulling back His infinite light. That Hashem should not shine forth with His potent power and then cancel the creation. That Hashem should contract Himself with concealment after concealment. In which He shrouds Himself in darkness. Darkness and not light. Meaning He's blocking His, his revelation. But again, that block is crucial. Because without that block, we would be destroyed. So there can be a revelation of the Yud, which is the Chachma, through the Yud Chachma that's in your Nefesh, you cause the Ebishter is his Galus of the Chachma of the Yud, and that can substantiate a creation. Without that, the creation couldn't possibly exist. Okay, we're going to do a little break for a few minutes. We'll stop with the Yud, and then we'll get to the Hay in Mamish in, 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 five, in three, four, three, to, three to five minutes. Um, even though we're learning about uh, 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 the, the, the contraction, you should eat some food because you need koach to be listened to this year. Yeah, for the expansion. How are you? I heard good news that you're coming to us tomorrow night. That's what I heard. That's what I heard behind the. Yeah. You made some? You're going somewhere? You're going somewhere? Yeah, we're going to Oh, no, no. That doesn't count. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going away. I hear you're going to Israel. No way, no way. You're going to Israel next week. Okay, then, then, then you have to. It's a goodbye party. It's a must. There's no. They're, they're not. See you. Hashem. Okay. How you feeling? I just want to suspend a minute. Okay, so we continue. So we're holding now, we did the... We learned the Yud, and now we're holding Siv Gimel. What's the hey? Just like we explained the koitzei shal yud, the thorn on top of the yud, and we explained the yud itself. Now let's see what the hey of God's name is in is in is in is in the person. The first hey of Hashem's name we know is bina, a supernal bina. Malchus is the latter hey, and the upper hey is bina. What is Bina? 
Bina is that first flash, the first kernel, the first seed of Ein Sof light that has now broken through the barrier of the skull, as we spoke earlier, of the Tzimtzum, but it's only a point. It's like this flash that's still above your head. You don't Now we have to anchor it down and into vessels, into Caleb. And that means that you start, you start finding all the details. So Bina really is, is all about bringing forth all the, all the nuances and all the de- everything that's in that simple germ of a seed of light and starts now developing to give each creation and each world the light that it's meant for it. Everything becomes detailed in the Bina. So Bina is expansion. But expanding what? Expanding the Nakuda. It's expanding the, the, the point. Similar to the Gemara expanding the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a point, is a Yud. The Gemara comes to find all the, all the fleshes out, all the details. Back and forth. All the things we would never have noticed in the Mishnah comes in the Bina. So Bechina, and that's, and that's also you see it in the Hay. It's you take the Yud and you expand it horizontally and vertically. You create the space of them. Hashem comes down from the Bina. He's becoming already more relatable to the creation to fill every creation with an appropriate light and also to encompass the world. From the Tzimtzum, maybe he wants it. From the Tzimtzum. Of the Nakuda, from the Tzimtzum, from the point of the Nakuda, into a, a, an expansion. Okay, that's the way it is up there. Godly energy is becoming, is opening up to become experienced within the creation. What does it mean in our own soul, corresponding to that? What's in our own soul? If Chachma is our power to, to, to contract into a point, Bina is our power to open up and to expand. But opening and expanding, obviously, only in a holy way. Which means that godliness should be expansive in our life. Kedusha, holiness, and godliness should be expansive. And this is the exact opposite exercise of Chachma. Opposite of the contraction. Broadening. Making God part of you. What's, what's Chachma? Chachma is nullifying yourself to Hashem. Now, Bina is the opposite. Taking Hashem into who you are. By doing what? By making Hashem make sense to your mind and to every facet of your being. So that requires what we call, this the whole avoid of Hasidus meditation. Expansive meditation. Ubenefesh and by nefesh and the soul who hispashtus v'hisrachvos. Bina is all about expansion and broadening. Rechovos hanohar, the broadness of the river. Hispashtus, the expansion v'hisrachvos, and the broadening ha'asaga of the, of the understanding. Min barakamavrik. You have the flash of an idea. You have a Hasidic idea presented by the Baal Shem Tov. You have a Hasidic idea presented by another great master, a point. And then comes Chabad Hasidus. Take it, understand it, develop it. Really, really feed it through every, through every part of your brain. Of every, mamash, understand it well. 
from the flash of flight that's in your brain, which is a point, to broaden one's knowledge, and the spirit of understanding, in the greatness of the Ein Sof. Meditate on God's gratitude. God, cause God to expand. Just like the Bina is the expansion above to the worlds. In you too, in a person's mind too, cause God to expand in your mind. How Hashem fills all worlds. And He encompasses all worlds. With one ray that's very contracted, that's what you're meditating on. This tiny little ray that we spoke about earlier, the Yud, how that very ray later becomes the expansive life force that encompasses all worlds and, and, and that fills every creature with its... Look how, look how unbelievable that power, that energy is, even though it's only one ray of God. One tiny little and now what's going to happen? What this is going to cause, now besides the subject matter being expanded in your brain, it's also going to cause an expansion of all the person's of, of all the person's faculties in holiness. It's going to open up, it's going to expand your heart also. Because without doing a contemplation, our spiritual emotions, our godly emotions remain crumpled up and shut. And even if we feel them, we feel them very, very briefly and very shorthandedly. Our emotions are, f- when you, st- when you, when you, when you, uh, when you, when you, um, when you have the bina, everything expands and everything grows. I don't know why I'm seeing this. I'm seeing these you now these balloons that are have like a, a, a person, but when the, when it's deflated, it's all just. And you blow air into it, and then suddenly all the features expand and grow and become pronounced. Same as our neshama. It's like a, like a lifeless balloon unless you blow air into it, and that's the bina. The bina causes the expansion. Because if you meditate on God's greatness and you appreciate Hashem in your mind, it's going to start suddenly affecting your emotions. You're going to feel love to Hashem. You feel awe of Hashem. Suddenly these midos are going to inflate and grow. Um, there's going to be an espashtos and an expansion in the heart. Vihislavos and, 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 and a fire and a, and a and flaming, an inflame. Vihislatos and a blazing fire. a blazing fire. Ava of love to God. You feel powerful love to Hashem. Bina is the key to open up. In addition to love, also joy. Because joy comes from. From Bina. Eim Abanem Semecha, the mother of the children is joyous. As long as a person only has a Chachma de Yiddishkeit, if your Yiddishkeit is only in your Chachma, it's only a point, you don't have Simcha. Simcha can only come if you process and understand and enrich that, that the, the revelation, Simcha is when things come into a revealed state. When it comes into your Bina, into full-fledged understanding, you become full of Simcha. The joy of the soul, which is in Hashem, that has made, you're rejoicing in Hashem. This also comes through the through the expansion of the contemplation, believe in the heart. Like we say, the mother of the children, that's Bina, Semecha, that's the source of Simcha. That's why Yantiv, which we know is the energy of Bina, is Mayadim Lesimcha. It's the Mayad, time of joy. Okay, so that's Bina. Bina above and Bina below. But just like we learned in the, in the Chachma, we explained not only what the Chachma is, but we explained how we have to generate the Chachma. 
we create the Chachma. In other words, we have to make Hashem come down into the Yud to contract by us contracting and us nullifying our desire. The same is also when it comes in the Bina. It's not enough to tell us what is the Bina. We have to also generate that Hashem should enter from the Chachma into the Bina. Just like we cause the contraction, we also have to cause the expansion, the consequential expansion. Hashem contracts into a Yud, and then Hashem, and then Hashem expands into a hay. So earlier he spoke how we generate the contraction. Now he's going to speak about how we generate the expansion. It's not good if there's only a contraction. That's not the point. It's that we want expansion of a locus everywhere. We have to generate it. So it's interesting. Over here he doesn't say that the expansion comes, it's not, the expansion is not just coming. When we meditate, we cause the bina to happen. Because the question is like this. You can't have, and I think the reason, I'm just, I'm speculating now, the reason why he doesn't say that, we can say simply, by you doing his bainanos, you're causing, you're activating the bina. The simple you can't do that. You can't meditate in godliness until God first expands. Because if Hashem doesn't bring His or HaChachma to a state of Bina, then what are you contemplating on? To the or Bina, in other words, so you can't say that you, you meditate, what are you going to meditate on? You have to meditate on, on, an, on, on godliness once godliness already makes it, is meditatable. And godliness is only meditatable after it comes into Bina, so we can't cause it that way. So he says it's something else that generates it. It's not you meditate and that's what causes the bina to happen above. It's what's the idea over here? You, you're, 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 you want, the idea of bina is a point should expand. So in our avoda, we also have to have this idea that from a point we, we're, we're seeking expansion. And that's the avoda of tshuva. What kind of tshuva? It's chazal, we know in Kabbalah, as many places, that tshuva is in Bina. Tshuva is in Bina. That's why Yom Kippur is associated with, with Bina. It's a day of tshuva. Um, the bracha hashivenu avinu l'seir asecha. Mogen Avram, ata gibar, ata kadosh, ata choynein l'odam das. No, it's not. Hashivenu is the fifth bracha. Hold it. But I'll connect it in a minute. Hashivenu, slach lanu, sixth bracha. Re'eina b'anyeinu, refa'einu refua. And Chazal say, G'doy le'tshuva, tshuva is great, sh'mevi refua la'olam. Tshuva is related to refua. So the eighth bracha is, is, is because the eighth is, is bina. And that's related to refua, which is tshuva. Connection. Anyways, tshuva is related to, to bina. What's the idea? Through contemplation, through our meditation, on whatever we meditate, we suddenly come to the realization how pathetic our existence is. Because as much as we think about the expansion of God's energy and create such a super universe, unbelievable expanded worlds and worlds and everything, <coughs> what did we say earlier? Where does it all come from? A tiny little point. And then you got to wonder, what's behind the point? What's higher than that yud? And then you realize that 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 being stuck in the Yud is really, really, really pathetic. It's really ridiculous. And it begins to become painful. You can't stand. You literally feel claustrophobic. It's hard for us to understand this, but the Alter Rebbe felt claustrophobic in this world. 
his neshama felt claustrophobic. He couldn't stand the squeeze. By him it was min from the constrictions of existence. Because he understood what means pre-existence, what's behind it. And therefore he, he's always demanding of us to realize that. That even if you have everything, even if you, you're wealthy physically, materially, and you, you, have, you, you, know, you have a good spiritual life, but you're stuck in the Meitzar. And you're crying out, I don't want to be in the Meitzar. I want, that's what Tshuva is. Tshuva means I want to go, I want to be higher than the world. Tshuva is Kadma La'ilam, before the world. You want to break out of the world. You want to go back to pre-existence, to the Ain't Sof. So what is the desire? The desire is that you want to go Minameitzar from constriction, El Hamerchav, like that's the whole idea of Rosh Hashanah. We blow shofar, where the shofar is narrow on one side. It's our it's our existential pain. That's what shofar is? It's the pain, existential pain of being stuck in existence. We want. We're crying El Hamerchav. The neshama cries for the Ein Sof, even if consciously we're not aware of it. That's what it really is. It's the neshama crying for the Ein Sof. We want to go Min Ametzar El Hamerchav. That's the process of tshuva. Obviously, to fulfill that, you need to have bina. You need to have understanding. Without understanding, you'll never bring yourself to that. It takes a bina to understand the, how limited we are, how constricted we are. When we feel that, that's what davening is supposed to be. He's going to explain in a moment. That's what da- the whole davening is to bring us to this state. To feel constricted and that we yearn for new light, for Ein Sof to come in from beyond the tzimtzum to come in. Even though we said before how important the tzimtzum is, but that doesn't mean that we can't allow a little bit more light in. We want more light. Because we recognize when we have this, 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 this movement in us, the frustration of being within the tzimtzum and wanting merchav, wanting expansion, that's what causes above the nekuda, the point of yud to expand into the hay. Just like we from below are coming from our meitzar, from our constriction into, into our chava, into broadness. At least we're yearning for broadness. So we're going from a yud to a hay. That causes Hashem too to come from the yud of chachma and to expand into the hay. Ah, you'll say if he's expanding into the hay, he's not really answering our prayer. Samach Tzedek asked this question on the Mimer. He says, your whole point is that you're frustrated with the yud. So how is he answering you? If the yud is becoming manifest in the hay, good, but all you're getting is still, basically what's happening is the crumb, Hashem gave us a crumb. The crumb is now, is now disintegrate, opening up, and, and you're getting light from the crumb, but it's still the crumb. So what do you gain if you come from the chachma to the bina? How is he answering the quest? And the answer is, that Tzadik explains that in the bina, you're really getting more than in the chachma. Simply you think that I just made that up, but it's a good phrase. That you don't have anything in Bina. Bina only has that which Chachma gave it. Chachma is the seed, and Bina is only the expansion. But it's not true. When Bina expands, Bina reaches Kesser higher than Chachma. Bina reaches into the... And that's what we find, for instance, when you have a flash of an idea, and then you bring the idea into your Bina... You don't only have Bina, you have something else that happens in the Bina that doesn't happen in the Chachma. It's not only more, it's not only you fleshed out the idea, you suddenly experience pleasure. Pleasure is felt in the Bina more than in the Chachma. That means there's more light of Keser in the Bina. So basically that's the answer that Semach Tzedek says. That when you yearn 
from the to, that it hurts you the symptom of the yud. You recognize the yud is so is so ridiculously tiny and small, and you want ain't sof. So when God answers and He opens up poseach es yodecha, when Hashem you ever, you ever you ever realize that that's the meaning of poseach es yodecha? You open up the yud. Yudecha means not only your hand. It also means poseach. Hashem should open up the yud because the yud is a contracted point. You want the poseach as yodecha. You open up the, the yud. But when you open up the yud, you you get a taste of keser as well, not just of the yud. There is the oneg, the pleasure that's there. So al-koponim, but what's the idea? In order to generate from above the yud to come into the hay, just like we said we have to generate the yud, we also have to generate the hay, it's through the power of, it's through this power of um, bina tshuva experience, of yearning to come, through prayer mainly. It's the yearning to break out of the tzimtzum, of the contraction today. Let's read it inside. And our arousal from below to cause the revelation of this hey, of the hey of Hashem's name, this is the avoida of the higher tshuva, which we know is a bina experience. Milmata lamaila. We're doing it from below. See, what we want is milmaila lamata. We want that the yud, milmaila lamata, from above, should expand into a hay. Our avoda to do that is by us coming from our, by us, the yud is lower than the hay. In other words, we feel that we're constricted. And we want to come out of our constrictions. The, the expansiveness is above us. By God, it's the opposite. The yud is higher and the hay is lower. So by us coming from our, from our yud feeling constricted, up seeking the hay, the broadness, that causes above that Hashem comes down from His constricted yud, from above down into a hay. So as he says, and that's why tshuva is tashuv hay, returning the hay. Returning the hay from what? The hay got lost. Because the hay, what happens to the hay? When God is not in the mood, when God doesn't see that we're, so he keeps everything to a yud. He's not expanding. So we have to return the hay. By doing tshuva, we return that Hashem should open back up into a hay. Instead of him being deflated as a yud, we want him to inflate his energy expanded to us into a hey, there should be an expansion of godliness in the world. Tashuv hey. Okay? But how do we do that? Through the process of tshuva, which is what? Vayitzaku el Hashem. By crying out to God, Batsar lohem. We say tomorrow before Mincha, Shabbos Mincha. Vayitzaku el Hashem, the cry to God, Batsar lohem. It's painful. What's painful? Because the descent coming from a God's continents into creation, into existence. We're not talking about who feels very claustrophobic. It feels very constricted. It's a tiny little ray. It's very contracted. The Rebbe says this is even if you're a tzaddik. Specifically if you look into your life. And you start seeing how many times we completely lose ourselves in, 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 in materialistic pursuits, in empty nothingness. When a person starts evaluating their actions and sees how much they've been disconnected from the Ein Sov, then the more you recognize that you're stuck in a dungeon, you're stuck in a prison. 
If a person sees the guilt of his soul, from all of his deeds, and all of his speech, and all of his thoughts, that I'm not to serving God, that is in narishkeit and silliness and futileness, and a darkness he goes, and as a result of that, he puts his heart to him, his spirit, and his soul, to him he's gathering it in, to him he's longing, to him he's yearning, to cleave to God himself, not to the tzimtzum, not to the yud, I want what's beyond the yud, this causes a reciprocal response from above. He says, that's what davening is about. Davening is tshuva, every davening. Davening is a tshuva, it's a return. It's, because in davening it's the contemplation, to contemplate, how creation comes about through a descent, and a progressive descent of the infinite light, but how much? Till it comes down to be the tiniest little ray, and contracted, that which fills all worlds, and encompasses in all worlds. It's only a tiny little crumb, ah, to the point that we say, What's means that the, the, the malachim, and all of creation, Yahalalu, they should praise Shemavaya, only the name of God, which is a ray of God, not God Himself. That means all of existence is only being substantiated, it's only being, it's only being invigorated, it's only being enlivened by only the name of God. And you realize that He's really beyond it. It's only His name. May your name be praised forever. People say, right? His name only. Bichdei, and what does all lead this? this? This creates all tension. This creates frustration. And then finally, what is it? What is it? There's a rapture. There's a certain point where the person explodes. And where do you explode? By vahafta Hashem alokecha. At that point, you realize, yeah, this is ridiculous. Vahafta, what do you desire? Here's the depth of it. It's not that I love, people say, I love God. Yeah, <laughs> I love God. Vahafta, you're desiring that what? Vahafta, you're desiring that Avaya Elokecha, that you shouldn't be stuck in the name. Havaya himself, the Yudke Vavke Elokecha, should be your power. That you should tap into the light that's beyond existence, beyond the universe, spiritual universes. How? Through Torah and Mitzvahs. You could. But Vahafta, you should, Vahafta means literally, you should have a drive. You should be driven that Havaya, that Yudke Vavke himself, Elokecha should be your power. That the Oren Soif should mamish be revealed. And, sh- and this is what we're requesting. And that Havaya, that's beyond the Yud, the Ein Sof, should reveal himself. But he should reveal himself to us. So the Oren Soif should come down into the Yud. And finally, through the Yud, into the hay. Put it this way, if, the, if we want the Oren Soif, but it's not revealing itself, okay, so you want. You want it to be revealed, but where? 
in the Yud and in the Hay, which means you want that the Yud and the Hay of God's name should be pumping with life. See, See that's, the, that's the problem. We look at the world and exi- as everything has stagnated. There's a Yud, there's a Yud cave, okay. These are not, these are very living things. Every day the Yud cave, okay is different. It depends on the energy that we're putting out. So you want the Yud cave, okay. it's like the river flowing, it's like higher, high flow. So that's what the Yid generates. He gets frustrated. He gets frustrated with the tiny little trickles. See, there's a drought, a drought, a California drought. Nothing is flowing. A little, tiny little water. So the person says, that the Abish themselves should be, oh, so what happens? But the Giloy is not a Giloy until it comes into the hay. So that's the ultimate desire, that in the hay, in the expansion, should be some of the juice of the Ein Sof. That's what you're looking for. And this is he should be revealed coming down it should be fully broadened in one's heart and in one's soul and this is the teichen of tshuva that's why the Rebbe says something so gewaldic in every mimer there's such chedushim in regards deeper and deeper in tshuva that's the deeper the meaning of we say return me Return us with a complete tshuva. Lefanecha simply means before you. Help us do tshuva before you. Here's the depth. Here's the depth the Alter Rebbe says. Vachzireini, return me. Betshuva shalema, to be returned. Lefanecha, to your pnimius, to who you are. See, the worlds are only taken from God's chitzonius, from his external. We said earlier, he reduces himself to point points. To point zero 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 down to a tiny little decimal point, and from there he creates the creation. That's his external. That's his acharaim. That's the back. That's not a panecha. The point of the balchuva. The point of the chassid who's davening every day. What is he crying? What's the davening? What's the point of the davening? The point of the davening is the frustration. I can't stand the constrictions, and therefore v'achzireinu return me betshuva shalema complete tshuva lefanecha. I should be in front, I should, I should be tapping into your panemius. Return me to your panemius. That's what the whole point we say in Elul. Look for my face, Hashem says. Seek the Ein Sof. Stop with the shtus. We get so far corrupted with the shtus. So leave go of it. Turn to something real. The your innermost. Literally, the oirin soiv. like it says, yoyer Hashem panov. Hashem should illuminate his face. He should shine his pnimius. So when we have this, the yearning from the darkness to the expansion. That generates the hay. That generates God's hay. And then from yud to a hay. And then as a result of that, we can, we can experience in our soul also expanded godliness. Joy, love. Everything is broad. Because the download is happening. And it's high speed download. It's like, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's what do they call it? Uh, kind of connection. It's a, uh, there's the upload speed and the download speed. No, it's like really, and it's really downloading, like really a lot. Into your nefesh. There's a richness. Okay, so you got your yutke going. Now what's the vav in the hay? The yid is avaya. 
Yud K Vav K. What's the Vav and the K? See the Yud and the Hey. Oh, by the way, the Tzemach Tzedek says, Gavaldik, it says, last week in the parasha, parasha Shoftim, Al Pishne Shnei Edim Yakum Davar. Based on two witnesses, Yakum Davar, the matter is established. On two, based on two witnesses, the matter is the matter is established. Any matter in Judaism or any matter, any matter illegal or something, you need to have two witnesses. Tzemach Tzedek says, based on what we just learned, what are the two main powers in the cosmos? One is the power of contraction, and the other one is the power of expansion. Yud and K. Alpishnei Eidim, based on two witnesses, we'll see why they're called witnesses in a minute, but based on these two forces of the Yud and the He, contraction and expansion, Yakum Dover, that's what establishes Dover. Dover is the world. Dover, the, the thing, the world, is held up. Also, the world is created by the Devar Hashem, by the Word of God. So Malchus is the word, but the main power that there should be a Dover, there should be able to be a word of creation, holding creation, is the two witnesses, these two powers of Yud and K. They're called witnesses because witnesses are, you only need a bare testimony on something that's hidden, something that everybody knows about. We don't have to bring witnesses. Witnesses is something happened secret, no one knows. What happened, what took place. So you need to bring two witnesses to tell you what happened. So Yud K is, is called the, the concealed worlds. Alma Discasia, the concealed worlds. So that's why they're called witnesses. I'm not going to get into it, but this is the idea. So you need the witnesses. But what is the Vav K? So the idea is like this. All this revelation that we speak, that the Yud and the K, the Yud enables revelation to happen, and the He is revelation. Which relates to our two avoda. What is our two avoda? First, negating our desires. Negating ourselves down to a point, and then expanding, expanding godliness inside of us with, through avod of tshuva, of yearning, longing, wanting expanded light. Wanted, wanting right, expansion. So the problem is that the yudke brings godly light into the worlds, but only into the sublime worlds above, into the spiritual worlds in the upper realms. Now, godliness needs to be translated into the material, physical world. For that to happen, there needs to be a powerful descent, an elevator, that has to take this godly light from its sublime state. Yes, in the most supernal places, in the higher realms, in the worlds of celestial beings, Yutke is enough. Godly light is flowing there. But ultimately, the desire is that our physical, material world should be filled with godly light. For that, you need a vav. What is the vav going to do? Look at a vav as a look at the vav as this infinite elevator. Shoot, carrying down what is up there, all the way, all the way down, and that's what Torah is. Torah is a vav. When you're learning Torah, you're transmitting God, pure godliness into our world. Because what does Torah do? Torah is suddenly talking about it. All, our, all, all the material things of this world. It's talking about an onion and a radish. You know, I mean, you know, many you know how much Torah there is about an onion and a radish? And a leek? See, Gavalt. It's nothing better the Torah to talk about. A leek and an onion and a radish. Yeah, because godly ideas have to be translated into material things. So it's the Vav. Torah is a Vav from Shacha. Drawing down these sublime godly ideas, implementing them into material, into the physical world. Stam shacha downward. And he's going to hear the words. And the hay, hay is making the physical 
actually a vessel to receive it. The Vav is the channeling of the light down through Torah. And the hay is the mitzvah. When you do a mitzvah, when you're taking an object in the physical world, you're actually creating a keli to receive the light of the Torah. The vav and the hay. The hay is the final vessel of the material world. And then physicality becomes a keli for the Ein Sof light. Yudke brings godly, godly light from the divine into the, wor- into the contexts of creation. But now it needs to find 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 expression in the material. It's almost like, I think, he doesn't say it, but I'm going to add, I, I, I hope I'm not saying anything wrong, but I think this is the idea. Before we spoke about a teacher giving over a class, they have to find the first a point, narrow it down to a point, and then the point, they have to flesh out the point, then they have to develop it. And the student to give a whole lesson, infrastructure. But first they have to narrow it down to a point. But how about if the class the students are on a very, 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 very immature level. They're totally not where the teacher is. So the teacher has to take the idea down. How do they take it down? They give metaphors. And they give metaphors from things that are completely foreign to that which they're teaching. Teacher is teaching deep ideas in whatever, I don't know, in abstract thought, whatever. But in order to, in math, the deepest math, deep, you know, ideas of math, which are very abstract, but they have to give physical material metaphors of crayons and fire engines and apples and oranges and cookies. And they do math problems. That means you're putting it into, you're bringing it into something material. So it can relate to the student who's down here, who's not up there. So the same as now. Godliness comes into the spiritual realms above, but now it has to be translated down here. That's what Torah is. Torah is called a metaphor. It takes the divine and it translates it into our language into the language of the material world. And everything godly comes down here. But then you need the actual physical things to rise up to receive it in the midst. The vav and the hay. So when a yid practices these four stages, first your beginning of your Yiddishkeit is, first you have a piece, you have a piece of God inside of you that's inseparable from him. That's the koitzeh shel yid. That's your hidden subconscious love that you have to God, that every Jew is willing to die for Hashem. That's just a given. Now is where the work begins. The work begins in developing the Yud and the hay inside of you. That also has work. The Koytzeh Yud also has work. But that's just, you're trying to remove nothing, anything from blocking on it. Your essential Judaism should shine. But now the next stage is, you've got to work to make yourself a Yud. That's the Bittel. Nullifying your will. Every day, wake up in the morning, think, I want, I need, I'm this, I'm that. There is no me. I'm not doing what I want. Everything I want, I'm going to do the opposite. What I don't want. And, you know, I guess this self-inflicted torture <laughs> can become enjoyable once you really get into it. And you, get, and you realize that you're not really neg- you're negating yourself in order to express yourself, a much deeper self. But this, that's the avoid of yud. Then you work on, once you nullified yourself and bitzel, then you work on, on expansion of your God, expand, filling yourself with, with every cell of your, of, your, of your body and every cell of your soul, of your consciousness with godly light, godly infusion through meditation and the like, joy, love, awe, fear, enrichment. And after, you, that's prayer. And after you finish your prayer, then you study Torah. Translate all that spiritual energy into the material world by speaking words of Torah 
that deals with the material world, finally go out and do a mitzvah, give tzedakah, help someone out, make a vessel in the physical world to receive that light. Here you got your full yutke vavke. And when Hashem sees the Jewish person as a yutke vavke, then Hashem says, you're me. Then you are him. He looks at you, he sees himself, he's a mirror of you. Because he's yutke vavke, you're yutke vavke. And then how can he listen to Bilam? How can he listen to any ac- accusation? We said earlier, Hashem doesn't want to listen because we are, we are here one. We're one with him. Okay, so now let's read it inside. The in yinavavkeshabinefish and the vavke that's in the soul, Lili is Giliam Shacha, it should be a revelation of this Amshacha. Bitoiro mitzvis and Tyra mitzvis. Bikiyama Maisa Bapoyal Mamish by doing mitzvis in the literal sense. Why? Vav. Vav is a line. So Torah is a Vav. Now Torah is really, what's Torah? Torah you have to speak loud. You know, you're not supposed to learn Torah reading it with your eyes. Torah is supposed to be loud. Vidibarto, you're supposed to talk. The whole Indian of Torah is koil, a heavenly voice. There is a voice above the sky. It says the voice of Torah. It's coming from above the sky. Koil, it's the koil. And what's the koil Torah? We say, we say, we always speak about cold Torah. There has to be a sound of Torah in the world. You go into yeshiva, people are learning loud. It's noisy. It's not like a library. Yeshiva is not the opposite of a library. Even though it's full of books, everybody's screaming and shouting and yelling at each other. It's a koil Torah. There has to be a sound. Why? Because the whole idea of a sound is a hamshacha. It's drawing down. We're into a wilderness. This world is a desolate, empty wilderness. It says in, the, in, the, in, in Yeshaya, it says, A voice calls out in the desert. Make room for the way of God. See what's going on over here? This world. See, Yudke, good. The celestial worlds are filled with light, but this world down here still remains a desolate desert. It remains a wilderness where nothing is there. So you want to create roads, roads. Where flow, where godly light comes down. So that's the thing. Koil koire. There's a voice that calls out Bamidbar in the desert. Desert is referring to Olam Asiya Hagashmi, the physical world filled with snakes and scorpions. Clear a road. Let's create a road where the king can come riding through. That's what it's saying. Kol koire Bamidbar Panu Derech. Clear the way. Derech Hashem, the way of God. The voice of Torah should come down. The way of God, and revealing Hashem's light, even in the midbar, which is our material world, it should be in, the, in this world, what should be in this world, the way of God, it should be what it says in Tehillim, it says, David HaMelech says, my soul is thirsting for you, my flesh is pining for you, we're Be'eretz Tziyah V'oyef, in a desolate land, Belimayim, where there is no water, Kein Ba'koidesh Chazisicha. I want to see you in holiness. What does that mean? That even in the desert, that's parched, where there's no water, Kein Ba'koidesh. There should be the revelation of Chachma, of Kodesh. Whatever is up there in the peak, at the very beginning of beginning of existence, the Ein Sof shines in Chachma, Kein Ba'koidesh should hit the desert floor. That the, the revelation of Kodesh should be in the desert as well. And that can only come through the coal of Torah. It's the drawing down of godliness down here. The drawing down of the supernal holiness, we're down here. 
where are you drawing it down? Ultimately, you have to put it into the vessels, into the material world. That's in the lower hay. So the vav is only a channel to get it into the vessel. What's the vessel? The lower hay. That's the mitzvah. When you finally do a mitzvah after prayer, see what's going on over here? You begin with the mysterious love of your soul that's so godly. You work your way through the, the bittel and then through the expansion and then through learning Torah and finally you get to the mitzvah. It's the final product. All that godliness is now, is now being contained in this vessel. That's the maisa. And, and that's why it says about the act of a mitzvah that the deed of tzedakah, the pasik, he doesn't finish the end of the pasik, the deed of tzedakah is shalem, is peace, because now is when you finally made peace between the two extremes, between the ain't sof and the lowest possible thing in the material world. You made peace between two opposites. And that's only the deed. Until you don't have a mitzvah, there is something in this world or something in your life that is still that is still that is still in in conflict with God. So even if you're even if you even if you nullify your will, it's all pertaining to the, your spiritual side. What's with your body? Is your body now synced with it? No. To make peace, you have to get to the, the lowest point, your physical body, the physical world, and that has to be shalom with Hashem. And that happens when you do an act of a mitzvah. Because God's will is being implemented in something physical. Maisa dafka, dafka maisa, dafka oilamasiya. When he says tzedakah, but he says it doesn't mean only tzedakah. Tzedakah is not only charity. All mitzvahs are called tzedakah. Why are all mitzvahs called tzedakah? Because what's the whole point? What's tzedakah? Tzedakah means to give to the, to give to the lowly. Someone who doesn't have, someone who's lowly, is lacking. And you're giving to the one who doesn't have. And that's the idea of every mitzvah. Because every mitzvah is channeling God's life to the lowest world, to the physical. So every mitzvah is really called tzedakah. The tzedakah who klolis a mitzvah. Tzedakah is the general of all mitzvahs. Just like tzedakah is to enliven the spirit of the lowly. The general mitzvah is to draw down the chayas. And the oirin soif. Lamata below in this lowly world, Hagashmi the physical world. The nigla Hashem and the glory of God should be revealed, Lamata down here below. And that's the hay. Why is it the hay? The yud are we understood. We can see it, we can see it in the yud. The yud is the point. The hay, you can also see it's expansion. The vav, we can also see it. Where is the hay, the recipient, the tzedakah, the hay? So he says like this, because what's a hay? A hay is really a dalid with a little yud inside. Something filling it. Something inside the dalid. Dalid, it's interesting, I'm, I'm adding this little piece, dalid and yud, because I saw it in different memorim, but it matches with what he says, so I hope I'm not, I'm not going off over here. Dalit means, Dalit means two things. Dalit means a door. Deles. It's a door. It's an exit. Dalit also means poor. Dal, a poor man. 
Malchus, which is the final stage of godliness, which is the source of the creation, is called the doorway because Malchus is the channel through which God's godly light exits the divine and enters the creation. So it's Dal. I'm sorry, it's a Delas, it's a door. It's also Dal poor because Malchus, it says, doesn't have any energy on its own. Or even if it does, it has very minuscule energy. It's very poor. Like the moon doesn't have any of its own light. Or let's translate Malchus. Malchus, ultimately, the main, the main, what world corresponds to Malchus? There are four worlds. So Atsilus corresponds with Chachma. Bria corresponds with Bina. Yetzira corresponds with the Vav. And our physical world corresponds with Malchus. So Malchus, this world is poor. There is no godly revelation here. It's the dark world, dark matter. Empty, Malchus. Dal, poor, empty for many godly revelations. When we do mitzvahs, what are we doing? We're filling this world with godly revelation. We said before, the whole idea of mitzvahs is to give tzedakah. To give tzedakah. To fill an other, what's the point of mitzvahs? To fill an otherwise empty world, a poor world with godliness. To give the poor man, this world is the dal. That's when the dal, when you give tzedakah, what happens to the dalit? The dalit becomes a hay. From dalit it becomes a hay, the Zohar says. Because malchus is now enriched. The hay is what is the hamshacha that was given into the dal. The dal is poor, now she has the hay. The hay represents the five chasadim. It says that there are five chasadim. Hay is five. Five powers of chesed. means five powers of illumination that's going into the dal. And you know what happens? From dalit becomes hay, and from tzedek becomes tzedakah. Tzedek, hear this, tzedek is malchus. As it says in Pasach Eliyo, where he lists all the spheros, Eliyo Hanavi, he says, tzedek, tzedek, malchus peh, I think, I'm a Russian over here, what's the Russian? Tzedek malchus I need to sit there. Shabbos. This is such a gewaldige thought. Tzedek Malchusa Kadisha. Tzedek is Malchus. That's why we also say, Malchus is called Tzedek. That's why we also say, we also say, Vitzitkascha um, Yiranenu in Ashrei. We speak about the Malachim, we say, Before that, Zecher Rav Tufcha Yabiu, the remembrance of your kindness, they speak, and they sing your righteousness. So, who is Yeraneinu? Who's singing? So, it says it's all the Malachim above, the angels above, all the celestial, the entire, everybody's singing to God. But they don't know God because they only know Tzedek, they only know Malchus. Hashem himself, as he transcends Malchus, they don't know. They only have a little 
something of tzedkascha yeraneinu. They only sing to tzedek. That's all they know. Tzedek is malchus. But there's a very big difference between malchus when malchus is called tzedek and when malchus is called tzedakah. When malchus is called tzedek, then the light, the life force that's in the world is very contracted. And there's no godly revelation. It's dark. Because the whole point of malchus is to conceal God. What's malchus? Malchus is, ein melech beloi am. There has to be a people. There has to be a creation. Malchus is the ultimate filter. She holds back all the light. So, tzedek, very, very little passes on. It's very dry. Malchus is dry. And then you have a creation... When the time you get down to the physical world, dark. Now comes Torah and mitzvahs. What does Torah and mitzvahs do? Your mamshich from the vav, from Yesod, from the six sefirot, to Feres and the vav, into Malchus. You're giving tzedakah to Malchus. You're filling the tzedek, you're filling the dalit, the empty one, with the hay, with the hay chasadim of the mitzvahs. All the mitzvahs are coming from the kindness, from the revelation of Hashem. So you're filling the tzedek, I'm sorry, you're filling the dalid with a point in the middle and it becomes a hay. From tzedek becomes tzedakah. And suddenly down here below was filled with godly enrichment. See what the mitzvahs do? It makes from tzedek tzedakah, from dalid a hay. That's why it says by... Avram Avinu, when he came back from the war, that Tzemach Tzedek relates, it says, Umalki Tzedek, Melech Sholem, Hoitzi Lechem And the king Tzedek, Shem, the son of Noah, came out to greet him with water. Malki Tzedek, that's Malchus, but without the illumination. Melech Sholem is after Torah Mitzvah, after Avram Avinu did the Mitzvah then. What happens, Melech Sholem, he's, he's complete. So the Alter Rebbe says, that's the meaning over here when it says, wake up. That's the meaning when it says over here, Tzedek Mola Yeminecha. Tzedek, which is Malchus, Mola becomes filled Yeminecha with your right hand. Through mitzvahs, through all mitzvahs, Tzedek becomes filled Yeminecha with, with what? With your right hand, with, 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 with godly light. Malchus, again, he's explaining all the whole time why it's all the letter He. The letter He represents Malchus, but filling the world with godly light. Filling the lowest point of the world with godly light. From Tzedek, Tzedakah. From Dalid, Hey. And then it's Tzedek, Mola. Becomes filled with Yeminecha. Yeminecha is the right hand. Right hand is revelation. Chesed. Malchus is filled with Chesed. So the Tzemach Tzedek says, Gewaldig. We all know the Rebbe Rashab says, Gewaldig Inyan. Rosh Hashanah by night. That all the parnasa that you're going to get, if you want to have parnasa, the entire parnasa that comes for you the entire year is dependent on two things. by night, we say right after Mayriv, before Aleinu, we say, So we did, the Rebbe Rashab says, you're supposed to say that with a lot of kavana. And the second one is Simchas Torah HaKafis. When you dance hakafis with a lot of energy and you don't stop dancing, Simchas Torah, and Ladavid Mizmar Rosh Hashanah by night, that's where you get Parnasa. That's why it's a very, these are very crucial times. What's the connection? So, based on what I saw in the Tzemach Tzedek now, Rosh Hashanah by night is Malchus. Malchus is rejuvenated every Rosh Hashanah. We know Malchus is recreated. 
but initially it's recreated in a very poor form. Tzedek, she's lacking. Through Tkiah Shoifer, what do we do? The whole point of Tkiah Shoifer is to enrich Malchus. Through all the brachas we say, we're enriching Malchus. We're making from Tzedek, Tzedakah, the world is filled with light. We say that, Rosh Hashanah by night already, La Hashem Ha'aretz, Ha'aretz is Malchus, it's called Aretz, land. La Hashem Ha'aretz Umilo'o, Milo'o means to fill the Aretz. Tzedek Molo Yeminecha. That's where I can understand why that's the key to Parnassah. Because you're saying then, Hashem Ha'aretz, that's Malchus Umilo'o. You want to fill Malchus with Mole, with, 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 that's the Kavan of it. Malchus should not be impoverished. The physical world should also be filled with godly light. And that's all accomplished through the deed of the mitzvah. Okay, Kaklolis, I'm mitzvah, and I'm Shachas, 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 I'm However, this revelation in action is through the Vav, which is the Hamshacha. We need to say like this. You can't have mitzvah observance without Torah first. You must have, why? Because what are you, hey, is you're receiving, you're opening up to receive the light in the Gashmias, in the physical. But you first need the Vav, because without the Vav, godliness is not transmittable to this world. Just like without the yud, you can't have the hay. Without the vav, you can't have the hay. That's the latter hay. That's why a Jew has to first learn Torah every day and then do mitzvahs. Vav is the hamshacha, drawing down, and the hay is the receiving, bringing it, putting it into the vessel. But you need to first have the vav. We're holding now by the last piece, and I'm going to try to do this very quickly. Okay. Ah, he says in Siv Dalit, Now he's going to go back to answer the first question that he asked in the Maim. Second question. He said, God does not want to listen to Bilam. Why? So we explained why. Because Hashem Elokecha, because you have Yudke Vavke inside of you. Here we have the full infant structure, the full Yudke Vavke manifesting. And then God doesn't want to listen to it. But then the Pasuk says, That Hashem converted the curse to a blessing. He asked the question, there's no curse. What does it mean Hashem converts the curse to a blessing? There was never, Bilam never said a curse. See, till now we're talking about that when a Jew is living a very Jewish life and he's manifesting the Yud Kei so then God does, and a person, but... We're still human beings and we make mistakes sometimes. We do an Avera. We, make a, we, we do a sin. And the prosecuting angel comes to prosecute. We're saying that God doesn't want to listen to him. Does he throws it out. Why? Because Hashem sees Yud Kei But it doesn't mean that the sin, he just doesn't deal with the sin. The sin is still darkness. The second half of the Pasuk is saying there's something even deeper. Not only doesn't God listen to the Satan, but he chases after him, as we spoke last week, it was Monday, and he takes the sins themselves and he converts them to merit. That's the second half of the Pasuk. That God converts the curse to a blessing. So what does that mean? 
So the Alter Rebbe is going to say, he's going to say that as great as all this that we spoke about before is, Yudke Vavke in your soul, that's you all year round. But then there is you in the month of Elul. There's you on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's a whole different you. Now you're going to reveal a much higher Yudke Vavke. This whole thing that we learned, that's your lower Yudke Vavke. There is a higher Yudke Vavke, which only the Balchuva reveals. Much higher than the Tzaddik. In that, not only does God not listen, it's not one thing not to listen, this Havaya Lekecha is so beyond, beyond, that it can take the darkness itself and convert it to light. And the negative sins themselves become merit. But it's not from the same, because he's bothered, what, is it, what does it say twice Hashem's name in the puzzle? It could have said, but God did not want to listen to Bilam. Why does it say again, a second time? It's because the second time it mentions it's not the same Hashem Elokecha than the beginning of the verse. Because we know the Zohar says there's two Havayas. There's the Havaya de la Tata, there's the lower Havaya, and there's Havaya de Ela, there's the higher Havaya. The Havaya that we spoke about before, the Yud Kevavke, the tetragrammat that we spoke about before is the lower Yud Kevavke. Now he's going to introduce that through Tshuva, we're revealing the Yud Kevavke on a much, much higher level. And that is much... Okay, let's see. All of this is the Havaya and the godly soul. This is the lower Havaya. This is the Havaya that has an Islapshus in the body and in the animal soul. Like we spoke earlier. All these experiences that you do, Vav, you're learning Torah, Vav, K, and all these things, and it's, it's at, you're doing it as a soul in a body in this world. Bina, even, even the Kutzei Shal Yud, even your part of your Yud, even the Kutzei Shal Yud, which is so high. And it's in Yenishah. But it's also, we said it's affected by the body. The body blocks it, covers it. Ruach Shtuz. But then there is a Yud Kevavke in the soul that's even hot. That's higher than the entire enclosement in a body. Unrelates to the body completely. It's the Yud Kevavke in its quintessential source. There's a much higher Avaya that's drawn from above. And this is the second half of the Pasuk where it says, Because God loves you. It says, he turned over, he converted the curse to a blessing because he loves you. When he says because he loves you, it doesn't mean he loves you. He means more than he loves you. It means he is in loving you. He's, in, he's projecting love into you that you can love him with a love that's much bigger than you are. Till now, we learned about the qualities of the neshama, of the Jew, that are part of who we are. It's part of the neshama. The neshama has these qualities. You're serving God within your capacity. Yes, godly capacity. Yes, super godly capacity. But it's still the capacity of your soul. But if you hear, Hashem Hashem is empowering you to love Him with His love. Look at this. You're loving God not with your love. You're loving God with God's love to you. That's what you're loving. That means you're loving God completely beyond your boundaries. And that's what we say in, da, in, da, in Shema every day. Love God with all your heart. Love God with all your soul. And love God with more than what you have. means more than what you have. But I don't have it. How can I love with more than what you have? I'm, I'm 
Hashem says, after you reach your capacity, that's when I start imbuing in you love that's beyond your capacity. But that only comes from the darkness. That only comes when you hit rock bottom, you fall into a deep pit, and you cry from the sense of darkness. The Balchuva gets that. Because over here, you want to rip yourself out of existence with such intensity. That intensity comes not from the expressed Yudke Vavke of your soul, but it comes from the source of Yudke Vavke. It comes from what we call the Mimamakim. The whole Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we keep on saying Mimamakim Krasicha, from the depth I call out to you. So let's put it this way. The Yud, the He, and the Vav, and the He represent the ten spherot. Manifest. Ten spherot act. But every sphera has a source, a fountainhead, from where it's emanating from the pre-sphera. It's called the Omek of the sphera, the depth of the sphera. The sphera before it manifested. That we only come into contact with when we do tshuva. It's our pre-con. Very, very deep. And he says, that's the power of the Balchuva. When you tap into that, it's the Omek of the relationship. Then, even the negative becomes merit. Let me explain a little better as we go. Piddish, ahavcha loshem poyol yoytza. Ahavcha means Ivan, I'm affecting love in you. Shuhu amamshech bach midas ava. He draws you love, habama maila, it comes from above. It's a love from above, an arousal from above. That's above and beyond where you can reach with your own with your own work from below. And from that place, God converts the cursing to a blessing. So you say, well, Bilam never cursed. It doesn't mean Bilam. We're talking about Satan that evokes. We said, what does it mean, Bilam? Bilam is the Satan that comes to evoke the sins and God doesn't listen to him. But when it says that God converts the, the curse, means that the very, very accusations themselves become merits. That's the klala. The curses, the intentional sins becomes merits. What's the explanation of the matter? The power of the Baal Tshuva is greater than the tzaddik. Because till now we're talking about a tzaddik. The guy is, he began with the sensitivity of the person. Remember we said, what did we begin at the beginning of the Mahimah? That the person is so scared, the person is fanatical, he's so scared that he'll maybe do an Avera, he's Yerechet. He's he begins with these fears, fears of sin. Even the most minute, minute disconnect. Then this guy has bittle in his entire structure. Then he works on expanding his spiritual side. Then he learns Torah with those mitzvahs. He's a perfect tzaddik. That's wonderful. That's a Yudke Vavke Jew. But that's a manifest Yudke Vavke Jew. Then there's the Jew who messes up and fills himself with darkness. And all he has is a deep cry that he can't bear it. Oh, that cry reaches into the pre-Yudke Vavke expression, revealing new Yudke Vavke from its quintessential source. As he says, the It says the Balchuva pull God Their cry to God is with so much more intensity, so it's pulling God forth. It's remember we said before we create the Yud Kevavke, but there's one thing to create it with a pull, 
There's another thing to go into God and yank him down. That's what the Balchuva does. He yanks. The tzaddik inspires. The tzaddik inspires. The Balchuva yanks. It's a much deeper. It's because with all your might. The main thing is that you're going over the brim. You're going over the flow. More than your soul can take. Either literal Mesiris Nefesh, literal sacrificing of oneself. He doesn't mean through, uh, you know, uh, sacrifice of martyrdom. He means like the Balchuva, the Quinti, the famous Balchuva who sinned with every sin in the world. And then when he finally realized in what kind of lowly state he is, uh, the, the, the girl that, we, that he was with told him, hey, there's, you're, you're, you're gone. You're over with. You know, you, if you ever think you're getting out of hell, you're done. And when he realized, when she told that to him, and he realized where he was, he began to cry. He first went to the heavens, and to the, he went, his name was Rabalaza ben Derdaya. Rabalaza ben Derdaya. He was this, the biggest sinner in town. And then he put his head down between his lap, on his lap, and he began to cry and weep and weep uncontrollably until he died. And a heavenly voice came out and said that he has a portion to the world to come. Now, what do you mean he has a portion to the world to come? In order to have a portion to the world to come, you have to do mitzvahs. Where was his mitzvahs? He didn't do mitzvahs. He had a whole bunch of mitzvahs because all of his sins were converted. And they were his mitzvahs. Every sin that he had is his mitzvah. Because the Zidonis, Nasus Kazachias, because he reached so deep in the Ain Sof, because of Mesiras Nefesh Mamish, because of his love to God was so deeply expressed, to the fact that his, his, his soul just pulled out of the body. He just couldn't stand that this distance. Kamaisa did Rabbi Lazar ben Derdaya, like the story of Rabbi Lazar ben Derdaya, that that's a literal Mesiris Nefesh, or the Hembe Pchenaz Bittel, or it can be in a state of Bittel, Elov Yizbarach, Ukloisa Nefesh, expiration. doesn't have to be literally to the point of dying, but the Balchuva feels this. Bekriya Shema, like it says, Elecha Hashem, Nafshi Esa, to you God I raise my soul. I, I, don't, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Only the Balchuva feels such a thrust, such a pull. And the power of Bechoma Odecha with all your might, who This reveals itself by the Balchuva more than the Tzadik. Because Tzadikim serve God with all their soul. Tzadikim serve God with what they have. The Balchuva serves God with what he doesn't have. The Tzadik is fully developed. The Balchuva is pulling from somewhere that he doesn't even know. And the reason is because Shlomo Melech says it. The greater light comes from the darkness. So there are those who hang around light all the time. And then there are those who make the choice to go to darkness. But eventually they too come to light. And when they convert their light, the greater light comes from the darkness. Through the intentional sins, when a person finds guilt in himself, how he's been in, stuck in such stupidity, and it suddenly dawns upon him, and it reaches and it touches him to the deepest core of his soul. Ilazois, as a result of this Yitzhak al Hashem, he cries out to God, to God, when it hurts him very much. It's just too painful. And the cry to God is so strong, 
more than his soul can hold. He feels like literally, he feels like his soul is going to burst. Oh, so to understand the advantage of this, he's going to use an analogy similar that from the darkness, Dafka, you can touch greater light than from light. He says, we're going to understand it from the two types of mitzvahs we have. We have positive commandments and prohibitive commandments. Positive commandments is you're filled with good stuff. Prohibitive commandments is all ugly stuff. That's ugly, that's bad. That's... So usually we think that we connect to God much more through the positive commandments than through refraining from doing an Avera. But the Zohar says, no, that our connection to Hashem in the, in, the, in the withholding from doing a sin is much greater than their connection to God in the positive mitzvah. So he says, similar to that, you'll understand the Balchuva also. Just like in a tzaddik, he has a deeper connection through, the, through his non-doing than through his yet doing because the non-doing is by, he's pushing away from bad, the tzaddik. He's pushing away from bad. And in the push from bad, you're getting closer to God than in the drawing to good. When you draw to good, you're limited because there's only how much you can understand goodness or how much goodness can manifest. But in bad, you're pushing away from bad. You're pulling, that is connecting you to deeper godliness. The loisa say hide and I say, so too, tzaddik and balchuva is similar to the same idea. Is that the tzaddik is like mitzvah say like positive commandments, and the balchuva is like mitzvah losa say. The only difference is that the balchuva did, did do the sin, went into the darkness, but the main point of the balchuva is that he's ripping himself out of there. The ripping yourself out of the bad touches very deep. The uprooting of one's desire from the negative. As he says, V'zeh inyan yutke im shemi shasa. The Zohar says that the yutke of Hashem's name, that the, pro, the, the prohibitive commandments connect to the yud, yutke of Hashem's name. Positive commandments connect, are related to the vavke. And we know the yutke is much higher than the vavke. The Zohar says that the word shemi, Hashem's name, with yutke, with 15 is gematria shasa, 365 prohibitions. Sha'aloi sesehem b'shem yutke. It's higher than the positive commandments. Shem b'shem vavke, which is in the vavke. like it also says, be'eretz lo It says lechtech achrei b'midbar. We followed God in the desert. Be'eretz lo in a land that's not planted, a land that wasn't sowed. Simply alert, an empty land. The deeper meaning of the Alter Rebbe says, just in. We followed God into a land. We all follow God sometimes into a land. Lozerua, where the negative itself, the low is planting. What does it mean? So it doesn't mean balchuva here. Here he means that every time. See, we think when I have a temptation, I'm just because it's a very gashmaki Indian. We think that we have a temptation for something bad, and we don't do it. It's 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 just showing on my loneliness. It's showing how disgusting I am that I want something lowly. I want something sinful. The truth is that, and, and, and at best, I didn't do a sin. But the truth is, no, every time you deny yourself something that you want to do, so that denial, that itself is planting, that low zeruah, you plant the no. The no becomes a planting, just like a mitzvah is a planting of a seed of godliness. 
when you're doing a, when you're refraining from doing an avera, you're planting that no, and something godly grows out. But here's the thing: the godly plant that grows out from the no is a far more magnificent plant because it's it's a revelation of the yutke, and it's a more magnificent plant than when you're planting a yeah. In our life, we're constantly planting a yeah in all the good deeds we do, and we're planting a no in every time we say no to the Yetzirah. We're planting a seed, and we're revealing something godlier in the world through the no. Shebchinas loihu an Israel. The low is planted. And the reason is, Yutke is higher than Vavke. Being that Yutke is so deep and so high, you can't positively identify it through a positive act. Because it's too sublime to reach for it. The only thing you can do is, if you negate yourself, it, order, it reveals itself by itself. You just have to create space for it to be. You can't activate it. You can only get out of the way and let it come. How do you get out of the way? When you don't do that which is blocking Hashem. When you refrain, when you, put, when you negate yourself, when you want something and you negate yourself, you create that space and you're allowing the yutke to reveal itself, which usually you, can, you can't do that. In a positive commandment, you can only reveal God as He's already manifesting Himself in something. But, in the, but God as He truly is in the yutke, you can't reveal Him. Only through a negation. Through a positive act. Through a positive mitzvah. Only by observing a losaseh. You're uprooting your desire. From the opposite. You want to do something? No, I'm not. Uprooting your will from the opposite. Tigadol Mo'oid is so great. That will bring a person because you're transcending yourself. Now you become a vessel for for more than who you are because you nullified yourself. And now you become a vessel for more than who you are. Even a tzaddik, through a losa say, he can love God with see, through an assay, he's only going to love God with with who he is. Through, doing, through holding yourself back from doing an Avera, you'll, you'll merit to love God with Bechol Modecha beyond your vessels, because you nullified yourself. Similar to that, but on a higher level is the Balchuva. Because the Balchuva's up dealing with the, with the other side is deeper than the Tzaddik's. The Tzaddik only, only, only deals with the other side <coughs> by having a brush with it and, 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 and refra- uprooting his will from doing it when he wants to do it, he says no. But the Balchuva did it already. He's already entrenched. He's even addicted. And now he has to fight at the core of his being and it, that it hurts him. Like why he's been stuck in this. And he uproots himself completely from there. Ooh, this person becomes a vessel for Bechomo Decha with all your might, so much more than the Tzaddik. For the light that's beyond containers. More than what the soul can absorb. And this it says, From the depth I call out to you. Just like there are ten sephiros, ten attributes, there is the root of the attributes. Where the attributes stem from. Think about here. You have a hair, and you have the hole from where the hair comes from. The hair follicle, the hole. 
Same is also the ten spheros, which he laid it earlier. He said Chachm is like a here. There is the root from where it comes from, the oimek of it. All year long, when we're serving God with who we are, we're activating this sephira, that sphere, that attribute. We spoke earlier, it's Kavaldic, all the attributes. But in Aseris Yemei Tshuva, because, of the, because we're dealing with Tshuva, we're dealing with frustration about the bad, we're getting to the Yud Sphiros of our soul, but not as they are manifest, but as they are in their, in their source, in their Omek. Ten days of, of Tshuva, ten Omkim. Keneged Eser B'chinas HaNefesh, to the ten, Zayin, Midoi, Seven, Mishra, Gimel, Sichliyam, and three intellectuals, V'oymek Shalehem, and their depth, this is the root. This is the yud kevavke, the leela. Remember, we said there's two yud kevavke. Shenikra umka dechashucha. It's called the omek of darkness because it's not revealed inside of us. It's only revealed when we get into pain for what we've mistakes that we've done. It's the darkness. Shadayin loybali degiloi. It's darkness not because it's lowly, murky. It's dark because it's still so deep it hasn't revealed itself. It's not revealed in our body. It's not revealed in our animal soul. It's really from, as we spoke earlier, from from what Hashem is bestowing upon you. It's higher than the powers that reveals itself in the soul. Only when you overboil, when your pot overboils in tshuva, like when you cook water and suddenly it overcooks and it just spills over, when that happens in a moment of tshuva in a person's life, when the energy overflows, that's when this depth of soul is revealed. That's when the mamakim, I call from the depth, I call from you. Now, what do we say? We say mimamakim from the depth. Krasicha havaya. I, what does it mean? I call forth a new Yud Kevavke. Because I'm reaching at the core of it, so I can open up a new Yud Kevavke. And therefore, all the blemishes that happened in the Yud Kevavke are all erased. Because it's a new Yud Kevavke. It's a whole new challenge. You recreate existence. You recreate yourself. You recreate everything. When you get back to this, it's like a whole new reality. It's like everything has been washed away. And now it's a whole new system, a whole new, it's a whole new relationship. The Abishter and you, it's a whole, it's, all, it's everything is new. But you because you get to the Omek and, and you re- restart it from before. A new construction, a new yud kevavke in the soul. And not just as in a new avaya, it's a higher avaya, because it just came fresh. From the depth. It was never revealed in the soul. Through this, that the curse itself becomes converted to a blessing. And I guess, why does the, why does the sin become a blessing? Because if not for the sin, you would have never gone so deep. So since the sin was the cause to draw forth the depth of your soul and to reveal such attachment, the sin itself is now converted to, to a merit. From there comes forgiveness and atonement for sins. Hashem sprinkles us with pure water. I've erased like a thick cloud your sins. 
And that's why during the 10 days of repentance, we say, We say the Mizmor Mimamakim. Every day, By the way, it says an interesting thing. I just have to finish with this and we're done. Every sphera, there's the attribute, and we said there is the omek. What's the omek? The omek is the keser of that sphera. For instance, you have, you have a chesed. There is keser of chesed. What's the keser of chesed? The omek of chesed. As the chesed is still in your pure soul higher than the sphera. And the same is the omek, the keser of gevura, the keser. All year long, we're, oper- we're, we're working with our manifest attributes, manifest powers. On a Sarasimei we refresh every day from the keser. We, we touch, stimulate the keser of our soul in each level. Until we come to Yom Kippur itself. When we come to Yom Kippur itself, and particularly when we get to Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur, the end of Yom Kippur, right before Shkia Sachama, right before the sun sets, it's at that time that not only do we reveal the Keser, but we reveal the Keser of the Keser. Because this is the Keser of Malchus, the Keser, each sphere. And by Ne'ilah, we reveal Keser of Keser. It's called the will of all wills. And it's at that moment that not only is God not listening to the prosecutor, but every negative experience in the person's life has now become a mitzvah, is converted over. Because once the keser shebe keser is revealed, that's a klal of racha. As he says, mimamakim shebechol yoyim mamshech oimek echad at shebeyoyim ha-kippurim until yom kippur, Lifne Havaya Titaru, higher than the Yudke Vavke. Lifne means before Havaya. Before it means higher than the Yudke. You're completely clean. Lifne Havaya, Hamizgala Benefesh, that's revealed in the soul. Shemesham, that from that place, Nimshach Liois Titaru. From there is where real purification takes place. Total rejuvenation, total rebirth, total recreation, and everything that has been negative is now redefined and has become a brilliant light in the person's life. This is the Maimar. Everyone should merit this experience.